You're now listening to The Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 254 of the Co-op Podcast. Uh, and I would like to wish everybody a happy Father's Day uh, because, yeah, very, very special, important day today. So I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary Ace Waby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good, man, and happy Father's Day to all of my, my friends out there who are, you know, good fathers and everything. And yeah, I'm excited for today's show. I, I definitely want to hear about the E3 experience from from you guys. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Uh, we're also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How's it going, Dana? Hi. Um, um, great to be back. Absolutely. And we have a special guest today. We're joined by Mr. Chris Katsuragi. How's it going, Chris? Good. Glad to be here. First time here. I want to say happy uh, Father's Day to all the fathers and grandfathers out there. Absolutely. Uh, and let's also give a shout out to uh, the future fathers as well, because, uh, you know, it's a lot of those out there. So definitely give them a shout out. So um, we will not be joined today by Mr. Lugo or Mr. Max Muller. You know, as we mentioned, it is Father's Day. I believe they're doing other stuff with their family today. So they will be back because they definitely have a lot to say about E3 2018, and they also have a lot of things that they are preparing in terms of videos and write-ups. So stay tuned for all of that throughout the week. But um, before we get into all the topics that we're going to get into today, first we need to talk about what we have been playing. So, uh, Chris, how about you start us off and let us know what you've been playing? Um, I have actually been playing some... Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, I've, been, I've been playing and watching that pretty recently. Um, I hadn't played it before, so i have kind of get into it now. It has been a very emotional experience uh, kind of going through that game. Uh, as always, uh, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch 2 uh, and finishing up God of War. Uh, just trying to get the rest of those unlocks, trying to platinum it. But uh, it is it is a hard game to platinum. Well, I, I, I would say that this is this is good to hear because I actually was planning on trying to platinum that next. So I have to prepare for that now that I know it is difficult. Um. <laughs> very, very difficult. <laughs> I actually started God of War on um, the hardest difficulty because I'm a person who really loves extreme challenges. Uh, extreme challenges. And probably about um, a third of the way through the game. I just gave up <laughs> and went back to the normal mode. Um, had a lot more fun on the normal mode, but I may come back to like the hardest difficulty someday. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I'm curious to know uh, what Gary played on as well, because I know I he completed on, the game. I played on normal too. And even normal was frustrating for me because uh, there's those one enemies who have like wings and they have like uh, spears 
and it's like they would throw bombs at you but like kratos is kind of slow when he dodges so it's like they would throw their grenades and while you're still dodging you would like roll right into their grenades or whatever and that takes away a chunk of your health so like i i hated fighting those guys in particular but yeah it was it's definitely a challenge hmm. yeah I, I definitely have, will have to check it out uh we'll see we'll see um so let's move on to you dana what have you been playing I have been playing Unraveled 2 because um, I love the first one so much and then you know, snatched up the, the second one. It's very cute and it's very charming and the thing is that it's very similar to the first one. So I was hoping that they would go maybe this a little different route, um, but they didn't. And it seems to be a direct copy of the original, but now you have his friend along. For those who don't know, Yarny is basically a thing of yarn and he's what all of our memories connect to and he ends up getting shipwrecked on an island and his piece of yarn breaks away from all of the memories so he's just by himself and he has another like a a friend that comes out of like a suitcase and he's like this blue yarn and together they form this bond and you can alternate between the two characters um, but basically they form their own bond and they're trying to like explore the area and also to help drive the evil spirits that sometimes overtake our lives. If that makes any sense whatsoever. But it's very cute. It's very adorable. Like I said, you weave in between the two and the setup is the exact same as the previous game. It's a lot of like puzzle solving and you swing on around and you're trying to figure things out. And it's really, really cute and it's very adorable. I just kind of wish that they went and did something a little bit different, even with just the story or the gameplay or even how it's set up. So if you like the first one and you don't mind playing the same technically kind of like the same game again but now with another character then you know it's a game for you and also I just started um, The Incredibles Lego Incredibles and that if you like any of the Lego games or if you like any of the Le- of the Incredible movies then it's very similar to both the movie and the sequel and so you're just like any other you know Lego game you're out to stop you know, the bad guys and, and you use, you know, you change between the different characters and they all have different powers and you build things and you solve puzzles and stuff like that. So pretty okay games. It's nothing that really like stands out for me. And I think what made Yarny so special, I think two years ago in 2016 was that this was something that was really sweet and adorable and we haven't really seen in that type of context. But now that we've seen it, I'm like less enthused, but I still like the game. But I'm just—it's it, less special for me. I got you. So basically, um, probably a, a decent co-op game for for those that are they want to play with a friend. Yeah, yeah, that or even by yourself. Like it's a good casual game. It's very sweet. It's well done. The graphics are very good. The gameplay is everything is smooth and beautiful and there's a lot of you know story that goes along with it and it's very touching and you know it hits on those emotional notes so if you if you're looking for like a game that's you know a hard gameplay and you know action and stuff this is not it okay we got you sounds good okay gary how about you let us know what you've been playing 
Yeah, uh, first of all, I want to say it feels great to, you know, finally be able to say that I'm not the only person on this show that has been playing Overwatch because now we have Chris here too. So yeah, um, of course we know I have been playing Overwatch because I play it all the time. Um, and I've even gone to the extent of buying the game on PS4 just so I could play with my friend Rams as well because he wants to, you know, get into the game as well. So now I have two copies of Overwatch. So yeah, we'll see how that goes in terms of how much I play Overwatch. Um, but I did manage to play a lot of other stuff this week too because, um, you know, E3 kind of got me in, in a gaming mood. Um, so I played some Monster Hunter um and that game is you know it's cool i like the idea and everything but if you're trying to play monster hunter with a friend it can be very tedious because uh we ran into another mission yesterday where uh, because it had a cutscene, it wouldn't let us play the mission together until we got to a certain part of the mission and you know stuff like that is really it kind of um hurts the experience of playing with a friend um you know just the fact that there's that barrier there but, you know, it's a cool game overall. Um, it, it has a few things that annoy me from time to time, but it's, it's, it's an okay game. Um, I've also been playing Elder Scrolls Online, the, the, the Somerset, um, you know, expansion and everything. And that game actually surprised me because I didn't, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a much more scaled back version of Elder Scrolls of, you know, what we know Elder Scrolls to be. But it, it really actually felt like playing Elder Scrolls. Like it, it really does feel like an Elder Scrolls game. And, um, that's, that's great to know, especially because it's got an online component and you can play with people. Um, so I definitely want to dive into that a lot more. And I'm hoping to, um, I'm probably going to be, you know, making some content, uh, about that game sometime soon because I've been recording footage from the game and everything. So look out for some sort of content from us uh, on, you know, the Somerset expansion. Um, and I've also been playing Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I've heard so many great things about Odyssey. Of course, we saw the, the, the gameplay trailer and everything at, at Ubisoft. Um, but also I've been hearing, you know, from people who were at E3 that, that you know, got to see the game um, and actually play it people have been saying it's a really really solid assassin's creed game um so that's you know kind of got me into an assassin's creed mood and i i definitely want to try and finish origins now um so i went back to origins um i'm about like six hours into the game or something like that and um it feels like it's really only picking up story-wise but still the game looks great uh, i i do like the combat system it's a lot more challenging now um, I just wish it didn't have the, uh, cause it still has the, the sci-fi kind of plot to it as well. It seems like they've toned it down, like, so you don't see as many of those kind of scenes, but, um, it's still there. And I wish they would just cut that out and just focus on, you know, Assassin's Creed strength, which is the history element. It's just, you know, that's all they need to do. That's all we actually want. So. Yeah. Um, and besides that, I also have been playing, you know, Final Fantasy VII mainly for pleasure. And that's because shouts to, uh, Riku-san, Riku-san one from the throwdown. He's actually been streaming his, his very first playthrough of Final Fantasy VII. And I got so drawn into watching him play that it made me want to play it again because the game is such a masterpiece. 
So, yeah. And also, I'm kind of salty that Square Enix didn't mention the, the, the remake at all at E3. So, yeah. But that, that's pretty much it for me. Well, I, you know, I, I also was expecting them to mention something about that. But, uh, you know, that game is probably going to take another five to seven years for them to finish. So, um, don't expect any news on that anytime soon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, as for what I've been playing, uh, you know, last week was E3. I played a ton of games that I'm going to get into a little bit later. But outside of that, I haven't really had any time to to really play anything. I just spent yesterday recovering from the trip, uh, starting to write up a, quite a bit of previews. So you'll definitely see what I had to say about a lot of games. But I will talk about some of those games as well when we get into the E3 discussion later on today. But... um. Yeah, that pretty much concludes what we have been playing for this week. So um, we're going to jump right into the first topic for today's show. Uh, and Gary, you may have to provide a little bit more insight on this topic because I- I've heard a little bit about the story. Obviously, this happened around E3 time, so I wasn't really focused on it heavily. But essentially, the story is that Sony... They're still not allowing Fortnite players to cross-play or carry over their Epic accounts um, on PS4. So, Gary, feel free to let me know and let everyone else know more about this situation. Yeah, so um, as everyone saw, um, you know, during Nintendo's Direct this week at at E3, or last week, I should say... um, they you know it was announced that Fortnite was now available to download and play on on the nintendo switch and everyone was excited for that and um so you know of course everyone went to download the game and then when they tried to log into their account which they made on the ps4 already they got an error message that told them they couldn't you know that it wasn't possible um so then you know people did some digging and they found out that um you know, Sony actually doesn't allow people to carry over their their accounts to other systems. So if you make a, a Fortnite account on the PlayStation 4, you can't carry over, you know, any of the, the, the stuff that you've unlocked in the game or anything like that, which is very infuriating uh, because, you know, you can do it with other platforms. Like you can make an account on PC and you can use it. You can then use it on Xbox and Switch and, you know, um, any other device that plays the game pretty much um so all that stuff should really just be tied to the epic account itself and and it shouldn't matter which you know device you play on but as we know sony have been very strict on in in terms of cross-play with other systems and you know things of that nature so people found out that sony was was actually the reason behind this issue and uh that's left uh, a very negative response towards sony um of course there you know this has been a reoccurring thing throughout this generation because you know you have phil spencer saying that he's open to cross play between platforms um i believe around the time fortnite came out there was actually an incident where um they accidentally um made cross play active you know uh, but very for a very short time so it is possible but sony just doesn't want it to happen you know in, in any way 
and I guess they feel like you know they're they have the biggest online platform at the moment um and they they probably feel like they don't need to you know kind of mix their their platform with other platforms um so yeah the, this is a uh, it's got a lot of people enraged and uh, a lot of people are unhappy about it so uh, i guess that raises the question like how do you feel about it should sony kind of uh look at this as a reason to to kind of change their policies or are they you know justified in in not wanting to cross play and cross network with other platforms i got you um i have a few thoughts on it but i'm gonna go to someone else first so uh chris do you have any thoughts on this particular topic i had first seen um the issue when I, I think Greg Miller tweeted about it and he was actually trying to log in and couldn't log in. Uh, it's just really unfortunate because I feel like Fortnite, it is the, the, the biggest game right now, um, but it has brought a lot of eyes and, and good attention into the video game industry and have brought a lot of people together. Uh, so to have a certain subset of, of people who just want to play on, on the Switch, um, who had previously played on, on Sony um, and want to move their accounts around it, and have them blocked out, uh, it doesn't do any good for anybody. I really can't see the benefit from Sony uh, doing this. I don't know if it's something with how their contracts are, are set up for the game um, and their deals with Epic, but it just doesn't feel good for anybody to have a certain group just completely blocked out of keeping their stats or being able to play with their friends. Uh, it, it really seems like just a bad decision. Hey, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, how about you, Dana? You have any thoughts? I just wonder if it's um, Sony's way of trying to stay in the lead when it comes to sales and their competition. Like They don't want to do that type of crossplay at all so that, that's what i was wondering if it's somehow a financial decision i mean that that very well could be a, a very valid point um i don't know uh as far as what i think about the situation yeah i do think it's 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 unfortunate that they do not allow crossplay because there's a lot of people that that want that feature but at the same time um I don't really think anybody should be too surprised about how Sony is treating this. There's a quite a bit of things they still need to do that they haven't done. Um, people have been complaining about the fact that they cannot change their PSN names for the longest time. Sony still hasn't uh, figured out a way to make that something that you can fix. Um, PlayStation Now, a service that we have talked about in the past, that is a streaming service. Um I know there was speculation that they may try to make download an option, but that was debunked a couple of days ago. So I, I feel like there's a lot of things that Sony still has to, a lot of areas they still have to improve in. So I'm not really too surprised about this particular issue right here, but uh, it is unfortunate for those that do want to play crossplay. But hey, it, it, there definitely is a motive behind it. I think uh, you make an interesting point, Dana. Um, I mean, the Sony is at the top right now, so they probably don't feel that they need to do anything to really jeopardize that in their eyes. I mean, I, 
I'm not sure. And also, if they did allow this, wouldn't they have to then reverse their entire policy against plat uh, cross-platform play? So it would be a lot of, you know, maybe for them, a lot of negatives than it is for positives. And this game seemed to reach this, like, big boom once it was released on Nintendo Switch. So this wasn't happening months ago. This is just very recently. So maybe that's why? Yeah, I think, like, the biggest thing is because, like, um... Like, if you already play Fortnite on the Xbox or PC, you're probably just going to play on those platforms. But with, with the Switch, the Switch is a platform you can take with you anywhere. So I guess people want to bring Fortnite on the go with them. So, you know, even though they probably already got Fortnite on the PS4, they want to have it on Switch too so they can carry it. So th this is why I think that th this issue came about now because now people are realizing that it's an issue because now they can't carry across their account from PS4 to Switch and bring the game with them and stuff. So that's probably why it's such a big deal now and not before. Right. right. So unless the people keep pressuring Sony or stop buying any of, you know, Sony games, I, I don't really see them reversing their decision. Yeah. And there are like there's there's a lot of different ways to look at this because um one of the things I saw somebody mention earlier this week was you know if you buy two separate copies of Call of Duty one for PlayStation one for Xbox you can't transfer your progress between them you know you can't you know even if you have like an Activision account or whatever you can't you know it's two separate progression systems so you know um you could make that argument but I think where this is different is because um Fortnite is already cross-play between every other platform so Sony is literally the only one that's saying no sorry um and I guess that makes them look worse and this also happened with Minecraft when uh Minecraft had that uh that big event that kind of in incorporated every system from mobile to Switch to Xbox to PC to Mac you know like it, there was an event with every kind of player like every you know system involved and Sony was the only one left out. So that also, you know, made them look bad. So, yeah, I, I guess it's just, uh, um, you know, one time too many for this issue. And people are really kind of tired of it, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, it is what it is. Uh, we'll see if they consider making changes in the future, but... Um... I don't see any of that coming anytime soon. You know, they uh, obviously I think everybody at the moment, well, Sony and Microsoft, they're focused on next gen, starting to think about what they're going to do next gen. So um, they may not really revisit this whole cross play thing. Even if uh, Sony is pressured by the fans, I think they're just going to stand still, continue releasing games and not even worry about this. But we'll see. Um, so any other thoughts? on this particular topic before we move on to the next I saw that Sony actually did um, produce an official response to this uh oh um, and I, I can actually read it okay um, so Sony actually responded by telling the BBC with more than 80 million monthly active users on the PlayStation Network 
We've built a huge community of gamers who can play together on Fortnite and all online titles. We also offer Fortnite crossplay support with PC, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, expanding the opportunity for Fortnite fans on PS4 to play with even more gamers on other platforms. We have nothing further to add beyond at this point. Wow. So, so, so yeah, all that says to me is we want you to play Fortnite, and we're happy that you play Fortnite, but you're going to play it on PS4 um, if you're going to play it. And, and you definitely will not be playing cross-play on Xbox or Nintendo Switch. Absolutely, yeah. It's, and that's really unfortunate. But is that wrong, though? Like, you, as, as, as say, you're a business owner, would you want to be part of other people's businesses? For some, like, for me, it just that's how you build your business. You create something that the fans want, and you don't run around, you know, sharing it with other businesses. Or is no? I think this kind of creates a different, like a bigger discussion about um, content rights and usage. Because it's like um, the the best example I have is Overwatch. Because you know um, it's something I play, and I've been playing. I've been using my Overwatch account for two whole years, and I've unlocked a lot of content on there, right? And it's tied to Blizzard, so effectively, I should be able to carry across all of that progress onto you know any version of overwatch i play so like i just bought it for ps4 i haven't played it on ps4 yet but i it would be great if i could just log into my blizzard account on the ps4 and then have access to all of that progress and you know all of those skins and everything but you know it 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 seems like sony is stepping in the way of that happening and saying look you can't you know you can't have your uh you know so regardless of if if the publisher has their own service they cannot integrate it with you know everything else so it's like what do you deem as fair at that point uh because i i think that if blizzard makes their own you know network their own account kind of thing for games you should be able to use it across anything but it's like sony's stepping in the way of that and do they have the right to do that? I think there's, I think some kind of legal stipulations need to be, you know, introduced to state, you know, what's right and what's wrong in this in this case. Because I think this is going to be a reoccurring thing, especially with so many of these publishers and uh, console manufacturers creating their own services that kind of overlap. I think at some point we're going to have to, uh, you know, there's going to have to be some kind of legal system in place to see what's right and, and what's allowed. It's a, it's a very gray area, I think. From a business standpoint. Go ahead. Sorry, go. No, I'm just saying like from a business standpoint, you're giving your competition, you know, the ability to, you know, be ahead of you. I can kind of see both sides of it. I think that there is a business advantage of locking in those players to your community and your ecosystem and keeping everybody there. But at the same time, if I go, especially looking at it from a Google point of view, I can take my Google account anywhere. And whether that's on an Android device, whether that's on an iOS device, whether that's on my PC, I can go across the board with, with any device. 
Uh, and that's because Google, uh, you know, is, is providing that service and that login. Uh, in this case, Epic does have their own service and their own login. Blizzard has their own service and their own login, but they're being blocked by Sony in this case um, for accessing the, the, the cross content that you may have already paid for. Um, so I think like, like Gary mentioned, it's kind of a gray area and this may be something that definitely has to get into a more legal uh, conversation going forward. Absolutely. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yes, any final thoughts uh, before we move on to our next topic? No, that's it. All right. So before we get into the E3 discussion, I believe Dana wanted to uh, mention a couple of topics related to uh, some things that happened, including Smash Brothers. So, Dana, the floor is yours. Okay, really quickly. Um, New York City, we apparently avoided a huge crisis. Um, there was a guy who was very upset that the Nintendo store on Midtown, the one that's located near Rockefeller Center, removed the Super Smash Brothers from the kiosk. Now, those who are not familiar, when you go to the store, the Nintendo store, it has a whole bunch of games. And some of the games you can actually play. You can play, for example, you can play Super Smash Ultimate now. They let you preview the games out before, you know, their release date. And they removed the Super Smash Brothers. And the guy was very upset to the point where he went and took his time out and wrote a very well detailed email threatening to blow up the entire store. Um, Nintendo found out about it. Obviously, they opened their email, which was in spam. So it took them a little bit of time to realize the email. And the police was called. They did an investigation. But they found out that everything is okay. He doesn't have any plans on actually blowing up anything. So that was a cute little weird situation. I'm sure he'll be able to play Super Smash Brothers. So, um... Also. Yeah, that was that was that was like the main thing for Super Smash. Okay. Well, oh, well, I'm glad no, nothing serious happened over there. With uh... no, he was just angry, <laughs> throwing a fit. Yes, people okay. love Smash. Like people are crazy for Smash. They are. They like smashing. Yeah, they love they love they love smashing. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and let's just deep dive right into E3 2018. Uh, I'm sure that uh, I mean we're obviously going to give a recap. And I know Chris and I were there uh, at the you know there for the duration of the whole event. Um, I'm pretty sure that you may have some questions, Gary. I mean we're also going to give a recap of the experience, but. Uh, just to start things off, um, I guess we should talk about the conferences first. Uh, now, EA Play, that took place, uh, I believe it was last Saturday. Uh, we actually arrived, uh, myself, Jake James Lugor, and Matt Muller, we arrived Friday ahead of that because we figured, well, we got invited to EA Play. Let's go ahead and let's check out EA Play on Saturday and arrive a day before so we're not rushing to get there on um, Saturday. 
So uh, we went to EA Play on Saturday, and I'm just saying right now, listen, uh, I know there may be some FIFA fans out there. There may be some Anthem fans out there. But I have to say EA Play was by far the worst conference of E3 2018. Not only was the actual show bad itself, but getting into the show was a complete disaster. Now, we already had got invites as media uh, but by the time we got there and we were there early in the morning, they didn't even have our badges printed for us to even get into the event. And they wouldn't have that until after the press conference was over. So for, for the majority of the time, we decided to, well, I know Mr. Max Muller and I went to a cafe nearby to watch the conference. Uh, but of course, you know, prior to that, you know, a couple of us were waiting out in the sun to see what the whole story was, but it was very unorganized. You know, there was a media line at one point and then they had everybody's name in alphabetical order in different lines, but it was in a small jam packed area. So as soon as you walked in, there was nothing but a whole bunch of people around you. So very unorganized, uh, very, very horrible communication between PR and the actual EA company as, as a whole, because there was no communication on any, on any, on how to handle any of this stuff. And I know you and I, Gary, the first year that uh, they had EA Play, we had already had a, a similar issue where we were already had media invites to go to the event. We get to the event early, and then they say, oh, we, we run out of space. Well, we, what, we, wanted, we were unable to go to the conference. So unfortunate, but to me, I don't really think they've learned their lesson quite yet. But um, that, that, the, the, that first time really soured me on ea play that was that was in 2016 and that was like the first time they were moving away from the, the actual e3 convention um and like you said you know we we were registered and everything we got there early even that that's what threw me off too because we got there early and they still wouldn't let us in so it's like you know they're just showing favoritism i guess but that whole thing just soured me on EA play altogether and then 2017 I wasn't even really bothered about going to see them like you know I'd rather just catch it all online basically like I'm you know I'm good on on EA they don't really have that much I'm interested in anyway uh besides like Bioware stuff and Battlefield but yeah um it it just seems like they're doing a bad job of uh running their event nowadays yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and I do have more to say on EA, but Chris, uh, perhaps you could tell me what your thoughts were on EA Play. I know you probably saw the conference. So Yeah, I I watched the conference online. Um, I, was, I, I actually wasn't there in person. I heard about your experience. And watching it online, it was a mess. Uh, they still don't have any idea of what the gaming culture is really about and, and what they want to see. Um, you know, as we're going to talk about later, I think the other uh, publishers really have grasped that going forward. But EA is still kind of stuck in the Stone Age with this very businessy um, and non-gameplay. We're not going to tell you a lot about what's going on. Um, all of these just really kind of one-off things. The thing that actually stood out to me was when they were talking about Star Wars um, and the new Star Wars game coming out. Uh, rather that it was so one-off because they had everybody come out on a, in a suit and they had everybody you know do their presentations and then all of a sudden you have some of this 
random person in the crowd that they go up to and they say, hey, tell us about Star Wars. Um, and he goes on about uh, the new Star Wars game and they don't have, a t uh, they have the title, but they don't have a graphic for the title. They don't have any footage. Um, they just kind of say, stay tuned. And it was just very, very strange. I thought that their presentation was just mainly very boring. Uh, they didn't come with any really great information and it was not exciting, you know, kind of going in and, and, and that, like, that set the bar low for, for the rest of E3, which was kind of a good thing because I think, um, as we're going to talk about late, later, I think the other publishers really stepped up, uh, their game going forward. I agree. Uh, I, I certainly agree with everything that you had to say. Um, so I'll say a few quick things on the conference and the actual show itself. Uh, the EA conference, yeah, I agree. A lot of, the, you know, there wasn't really any major surprises. You know, I know a lot of people going into that show thought they were going to announce another skate because they had turned on the service for Skate 3. Um, that never happened. Um, NBA Street, that was a another series that I figured maybe EA will come back to at some point. Uh, but they're not doing that. They they are doing NBA Live once again. I did get a chance to play NBA Live. Uh, they have that one mode. Um, it's called the one. But this time they have it where you're playing as a team. And pretty much after you beat a team, you can take whoever is the captain of that team and add them to your squad. So some of that stuff is a little reminiscent of, uh, you know, NBA, you know, NBA Street in those regards where you could take other players. But that's the only thing about it that uh, I think uh, actually st stands out. And when I did get a chance to play, because I actually played with one of the devs, a matchup with the uh, Rockets and the Celtics, I mean, the gameplay feels pretty much the same as last year. You know, they talk about the uh, better animations, all the stuff that EA normally says that they put in their games. But to me, I, I really don't really think there's anything so drastically different about the game itself. It feels pretty much like it did last year. Uh, do I think that it can compete with uh, NBA uh, 2K19? Well, NBA 2K19 is still at the top right now. I think last year when they had the My Player and the microtransactions, all that other stuff, that definitely was something a lot of people criticized. So I would say, at least from my player perspective, maybe NBA Live will offer a better experience. But again, I didn't see enough of it. I didn't play enough of it yet to, to know that. I just think so far, I would say it is good to have an alternative because NBA 2K, while the series is good, over the years, they've become a little stagnant with some of the things that they do with the actual game itself. So we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. But yeah, I did get a chance to, to play that. I did get a chance to also play some of Madden. Madden pretty much is the same game. Once again, they've added more animations. Um... They have the long shot story mode, which is coming back, which is a good thing. And it's coming to PC. So they'll have mod support as well. So for fans of Madden, I mean, more of the same is, is going to be good for them. So those are two games that I can say for sure. They're okay. I mean, they're pretty, pretty much what you would expect from EA. As for uh, Anthem, you know, Anthem was there as a, de as a demo that the devs were playing. So you didn't actually get a chance to play Anthem. Anthem looks okay. I mean, my whole thing is, you know, I know Bioware is known for storytelling um, and all that other stuff. I have no indication whatsoever of them actually going back to that stuff with this game. You know, it feels to me like EA wants this to be a service-based game. 
So I'm not really sure how much Bioware is going to put into it to make it actually a good game. So I have to wait and see more on that. But when I do think about the fact of Bioware not being allowed to be themselves when making this game, it does have me concerned for the game. But again, there wasn't really enough that they showed about that game to really know which direction they're heading in. I just know when I hear that they want this to be a service-based game that they continue to add more content to over a, a period of time, I don't really know how I feel about that because I saw what happened with Destiny and these other games. So we have to wait and see. But um, in terms of EA Play as a whole, as I said, there were no real surprises with the show. Um, very disappointing, uh, I would say, you know, because I felt I thought they could have done more. I know there were, there were, there, were, there was uh, talk that Bioware is working on a new Dragon Age. Obviously, they're not ready to show that. I'm not really sure why they talked about the Star Wars game especially when you have nothing to show. Because to me, that was like, that right there was a thumbs down as soon as I heard that. Because it sounds interesting. I know that the the guys that made Titanfall Respawn Entertainment, I'm very intrigued to know and see more of that game. But just to know, oh, we're just going to talk about a game. We're not going to show you nothing. I think that was a complete waste of time. But that's just my opinion um, on EA Play. Uh, (laughs) But, uh... Were there any other thoughts on EA Play before we move on to uh, Microsoft? It was boring. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I, I will say one last thing. Sea of Solitude, I'm looking forward to. I, I have to give EA credit, at least with the indies, because it looks like the indies are that that stuff they're doing right. You know, I, I played a way out a couple, like not too long ago. Uh, that was a fun game. So I give them credit on the indie scene, what they're doing with the indies, but everything else they definitely need some help with a lot of these other games that they're working on and just putting going in a direction of making games people actually want to play. But that's all I have to say about EA play. Um, Go ahead. No, it kind of felt like some weird moment of desperation when they randomly went up to that guy and was like, Oh, there's star Wars. And the guy was like, there is. So yeah, it just seemed really weird. I know they also talked about their origin access premiere or primer. Um, but overall, it was just boring. And there was footage, some of the footage that we've kind of seen already. So I didn't really care. Yeah. But they did do, they did do Unravel too. So they get like, you know, a, a quarter of a point. And they did do the Sea of Solitude, which is, to me, was like the only two games that really felt, felt special. And the whole Anthem thing, I said this before, Anthem looks like every other game that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know Gary's looking forward to Anthem, so we, we can't speak too harshly about Anthem. <laughs> no, I yeah. mean, it visually, it looked impressive, but yeah. I need to see more on it before I'm, you know, sold on it. Like, because, yeah, uh, I just feel like we're, we're only seeing fancy visuals and, you know, um, uh, carefully selected gameplay segments. Um, I, I want to see what the game is really about and, you know, how the story plays out and the questing and, you know, playing with friends and all that sort of stuff. So I just want to see more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They have a lot more that they, they need to show us. All right. So let's move on to Microsoft because I know we have a lot of people in the chat 
they just cannot wait for us to talk about Xbox. You know, they 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 got up this morning. They said there's going to be a co-op podcast today. I can't wait to hear what these guys say about Xbox. So, Chris, I know you was at this event, I believe, correct? Yes, I was there. Okay, so I'm going to go to you first with your impressions of the Xbox uh, conference. I think this was the best conference that Microsoft has ever put on. I think that they did the right thing by having Phil come out and say, hey, we're not going to make it about hardware. We're not going to make it about us. We're going to make it about the games that we have on our console. And they came out and they showed a lot. Um, I think, you know, when Phil came out there, he said that they were going to talk about, I think, 50 games. Um, and that was that was really shocking and crazy to hear from a company who habitually in the past hasn't really given a lot of exclusives or a lot of worldwide premieres. Um, and I think you could have played a drinking game with them saying exclusive or worldwide premiere and you would have been done in about 20 minutes. Um, they did a really great job of, of showcasing everything they had. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I was just shocked that they had. Um, you know, Shadows Die Twice coming out in the in the Microsoft con- uh, conference was, was a huge shocker to me. Um, we had things like Devil May Cry 5, uh, Dying Light 2 looked great, uh, Forza always looks great, and they had that um, really really great demo um, of everybody running around the open world. I'm a huge Halo fan, so for them to open up with Halo really gave me some promise that, hey, they're going to try to bring it back to its former glory. Um, it looked like a, a an old school Halo game and that they weren't trying to, to do too much with it. Um, I think they had something for everybody. Um, for the anime crowd, they had Jump Force. That was that was such a huge thing um, with the crossover between uh, Naruto, DBZ, and One Piece. Um, I think they even had a little Death Note at the end, which was really cool. A little Death Note tease. Um, they had Cage Three, which they had the Frozen trailer, which which was great. Um, it was nice to to see some more. Some more little bits of Cage Three. Uh, Ori, uh, Ori in the Will of the Wisps was was another great title that they showed off. I mean, they just had a lot of stuff that that really looked great. Um, the only thing that kind of hit a dud for me was Crackdown. Uh, Crackdown Three to me, I believe the game's been in development for five or six years at this point, and it looks like a Saints Row game from about three or four years ago. And it was really unfortunate to to see after hearing that it was delayed again that it needs a lot of polish to kind of get up to current gen standards. Um, but other than that, I thought you know Microsoft had a really great and strong showing. They made it about the games, they made it about um, the players, and closing with Cyberpunk. Um, you know that was that was the way to to, to end the end the show. Um, I think that they had overall, you know, for E3, the, the strongest presser out of anybody. Um, while I may have enjoyed Sony more on a personal level, I think for the industry and for gamers out there, I think Xbox really stepped their game up this year and came out on top. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I agree with it pretty much a lot of- pretty much everything that you had to say. Um, my personal thought is that Microsoft not only had 
the best presser they've had in in quite a while. But I, yeah, I would say that was the best press conference of every conference I saw at, at E3. Uh, only because it served the purpose of actually being a press conference that had a ton of surprises. Uh, I know there was a lot of comments that, well, a lot of the games shown with third-party titles that are also going to be available on PlayStation. However, I will say this. The, the simple fact that they took time to announce the studios that they are, that they have now acquired or it, it, you know, I think, uh, Ninja Theory, that had to be the biggest surprise to me because I had no idea that they were even in discussions with Ninja Theory to actually acquire them. So I think they give you a glimpse into the future. And I would say that Microsoft, they're really positioning themselves to have a very bright future, uh, with, whatever they do with this next Xbox that Phil also mentioned towards the end of the presser. So, um, I mean, they, there was a lot of, a lot of things they showed that were a surprise. Uh, I know that stuff like uh, devil may cry that was actually supposed to get revealed at the Sony conference because there was a rumor going around about that uh, a while ago. So when I saw it at, at Microsoft's conference, it, it was very surprising to me. But uh, I think they did exactly what they had to do. You know, we had said going into E3 predictions, Microsoft needed to have a strong show. Uh, and I think they succeeded in, in those regards. Um, now, in terms of some of the games that I did get a chance to play, because I did play some of the games they showed uh, at a Microsoft event that took place the day after. I played Forza Horizon 4. I when, Now, when I reviewed Forza Horizon 3, I made the comment that it is the best racing game so far this generation. I said that comment, uh, and, and I, I was serious when I made the comment, because at that time, there wasn't a Gran Turismo Sport. There wasn't any of these other games that were out here. Um, so after Gran Turismo Sport came out, and then we have Project Cars 2, I still would have said, and I still do say, I still think it is the best racing game this generation. But after seeing Forza Horizon 4, I think they may have outdone themselves even more because of the fact that they have the seasons in there. Um, the demo that I played, you pretty much are racing on a track and it switches between different seasons. So you get a chance to actually see how it feels driving in the snow, how it feels driving during the springtime, different uh, type of conditions. And I think when you look at a racing game and you know that playground games, they do a phenomenal job with, with racing games as a whole. You have to give them credit to say they truly have outdone themselves with this game. So I definitely will have more to say on that game because I'm doing a preview on that. I will have some video footage also because I was able to capture some footage for that. So you'll see that soon on the website. I also got a chance to play Ori. Uh, Ori was a lot of fun. Now, the demo that I played, I only got to play about maybe 10 or 15 minutes because there was a bit of a technical issue and they had to stop the demo, you know, because, again, this is a game that's not coming out until next year. So you have to anticipate when you go into these gameplay sessions that some of the stuff may not uh, it may have some issues. And uh, as we get into the E3 stuff later, there was a couple of things that we saw had some technical issues that had to be stopped and restarted. But Ori is fun. It's, it's a very challenging game. Uh, pretty much more of the same with the first game. So anyone who enjoyed the first Ori, they're definitely going to love Will of the Wisp because it's just a, a great challenging game, which you would expect in terms of the platformer. Um, but yeah, getting back to everything that I mentioned with the actual Microsoft conference, I think I saw a lot of people saying stuff like, 
They think Bethesda had the best conference. And listen, I'm not uh, going to really criticize anybody for what they think because everyone is entitled to their own opinion. They should have that opinion. But I think in terms of a actual press conference that had surprises, was entertaining, Microsoft has to be at, they have to win that award this year. If I had to say, even though in my heart, I feel like anyone who is a gamer, they won because every conference had something. Maybe they all worked fantastic, but they had something that excited you, depending on the type of gamer that you are. So, but Microsoft, yeah, hands down, they had the best show, in my personal opinion, this year. Definitely, definitely the best show. Um, and yeah, I, we will be talking more about a lot of the stuff that was shown there. Because, again, as we're recording this show, a lot of us are still writing up previews. So you'll see a lot more on the site and you'll hear a lot more. And we are going to mention some of that stuff when we get into some of the other discussion a little bit later on here today. But uh, were there any other thoughts on Microsoft's show before we move on? I, I know I'm sure, Gary, uh, you have uh, additional comments you want to make, perhaps, or Dana? Yeah. Yes. Um, go ahead. Who's Dana. Going first? Go, go, oh, go ahead, Dana. Yeah. Well, um, while y'all was busy enjoying the show, everyone at home was basically pulling out dictionaries to find out what the heck exclusive meant. Because Microsoft <laughs> with their exclusive was launch exclusive, time exclusive, limited exclusive. We just didn't know what the heck they were talking about. But yeah, so they're very deceptive that way. So good for them. Also, another thing that really angered me was that Jump Force, the Death Note characters are not playable. So you're showing all these characters in the game and everyone's getting all excited, but then they're not playable. So, like, I'm very upset about that. You're showing me games. And, like, that would be one of the main reasons for me to get Jump Force is for Death Note. And then now it's just coming out, oh, it's not playable. So, um, it, it was good. I will give them that. But it was deceptively good. Um, um, the Battletoads, I'm excited about. And also, there's the, um, the Cuphead is getting the new playable character and new enemies and bosses. That seems really good. The Devil May Cry 5 thing, that was really exciting. I am the only person in the world who does not give a flying fart about a Division 2. I just, I'm tired of Apocalypse games. I'm tired of there's a virus coming out. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't feel anything about that. Um, Dying Light 2 seemed interesting. The best thing I will say is Fallout 76, because I'm not a Fallout fan. But so far, that game seems to be very good. And there's trees. As I said before, there's trees and leaves. And I'm still confused about uh, where it takes place in, in time. But I'm, I'm excited for that. And, of course, the whole Gears of War and the Funko Pop thing. That was kind of weird. Um, but other than that, I thought it was good. The Kingdom Hearts 3, for me, the more you keep showing me and you're not giving me the game, I care less and less about. So it, And the voiceover acting was just odd. I didn't, I didn't really like it. Um, but other than that, and under, other than it being deceptive and the fact that you're just going, well, the thing is, is that you're giving me a lot of games. Me personally, I don't really care that much about. But I'm happy for those who got to see all of the games and that they, they do care about it. But I was more interested in the, um, the studios that are now coming to Microsoft. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Gary, so you, you had some thoughts you wanted to share as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in terms of, like, showing games, this was definitely the best E3 press conference. 
Um, I do have some critiques and I'm probably about to anger some of the, uh, you know, aggressive Xbox fanboys out there, you know. Um, but I have critiques for every conference. So, you know, it's not just this one. But yeah, like Microsoft uses a lot of word games, you know, and, you know, when they say like world exclusive and uh, console launch exclusive and things of that nature, you know, is it, they use a lot of word games and that. You know, they, they mentioned they have 18 exclusives, but not all of those are true exclusives. They're, you know, they're including games that are launch exclusive as well in that number. Because a lot of those idea Xbox games, it later on came out that some of those are timed exclusive and they, they will be on other platforms too. So, you know, those 18 exclusives that they, they put on the uh, screen and everything, it's really not 18 true exclusives it, you know a lot of those are timed exclusives um so that's my thing but it, it's smart though I'm, you know i'm not saying it's it, it's wrong like they're being very smart with how they present things and how they market things you know it's it's it, that you have to uh create an illusion and you know get people to get behind you especially when you're in microsoft's uh you know position uh, they're in a position where they need to create that consumer uh, confidence in their product. So it's it's smart from a business perspective, but um, there was a lot of word games being used. But if you just look at it as a press conference with games, definitely the you know it's definitely the best press conference at E3. Um, and I think the announcement of the new studios that they acquired that's a big deal for sure because that sets them up for the future the only downside i have to that is they should have like phil should not have mentioned that they're working on new systems at all because now um the only thing i'm thinking is okay you have these studios but now these studios are probably just working on games that are come up going to come out on the next system you know like who knows when we're going to see those games that they're working on um, so I, I think he should not have mentioned that they're working on new consoles at, at all, especially when they just released the Xbox One X, you know, last last year. Um, I think it's way too early to be talking about making new consoles at this point, even though we already know that, you know, companies are always doing R&D and, uh, you know, thinking about working on the next thing in the background but I, I just don't think you should tell the public that, you know, it's too early to, to say that. Um, but yeah, overall, if you if you just want, you know, a press conference with a lot of AAA games, this was definitely the best press conference. And to end on Cyberpunk was definitely a, a wise decision because that's a game that we've all been been looking for for a long time. And I'm very excited for it. Um. And yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much my thoughts. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I know Microsoft wasn't the only one that mentioned next-gen consoles. We're actually going to get into that right next. But uh, any other thoughts from anybody about Microsoft before we move on to Bethesda? I can definitely agree with what Gary said about talking about the console. Um, it... It seems counterproductive to mention a next generation console when you just said, hey, there's going to be, you know, 40 or 50 games coming out in the next two years. Um, oh, by the way, get ready to buy our new console. <laughs> um, if they had, you know, 
some other announcement in tandem with that where they were like, hey, you know, we are working on new console technologies. And by the way, you're still going to actually be able to play these games on whatever new console we come out with. That would have been a huge, you know, a huge megaton bomb dropped. Um, but to just mention it in fleeting, it, it didn't seem like a wise decision, especially with nothing to show. Um, but overall, you know, I think that they had a, a really strong conference. The one thing I will say is that being there um, and not having accessibility to water really sucked. <laughs> um, for for those in attendance, we actually did not have like readily available accessibility to water. And there was a couple vending machines, but they did they only took quarters. Um, and I think the waters were like two fifty or something, and you only could take quarters. So that was not a fun time. I was dying of, uh, of thirst as soon as I needed to get out there. So as soon as I needed to get out of there, but. Um, Hopefully next time we will actually have some, uh, at least access to water on the next press conference. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did, I did, I did want to say something about that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think, uh, yeah, Microsoft, that is the only criticism that I would have is that if you're waiting for these conferences, make the guests actually feel welcomed once they actually get there because every conference they had something and this is not really just about this isn't about food but if you're waiting out in the sun for like an hour to two hours with nothing to drink at least have some water or something i mean every year we go to a microsoft conference nothing you get there you see the games that's it and then we go to every other conference after that we feel that we are welcomed because they're acknowledging, oh, you've been waiting for a while. We're just going to give you something to, you know, cool you down for a bit. So, yeah, but they will never change that because that, that's just that, that's just not something that they, they even think about. And one question I did have for Max, as we were waiting in line for Microsoft, I'm about 99.9% .9 sure that somebody over at Microsoft attends these other conferences you see how they treat the people who actually come to the conference. So I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe they figure, well, that's not important. We just want them to see our games. That's it. For those that are okay with that, it's all good. But uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know what's up with that. But um, let's go ahead and let's move on to Bethesda. Um, I'm going to get uh, your thoughts from Bethesda first, Chris, and then I'll talk about what it was like actually being at the Bethesda conference. I saw bits and pieces uh, of the Bethesda conference. I actually didn't see the whole thing. I saw the beginning and I saw, I think probably the last 40 minutes of it. Um, uh, the, the reactions on stream to Andrew WK were, were quite funny. Um, it, it seemed a little odd for Bethesda to kind of open up with that and get that going. Um, but in terms of Fallout 76, I think it started out really, really promising um, and then kind of got into really weird territory and, and, and a little Mimi territory, but then they brought it back um, overall with kind of just quelling everybody's fears that it wasn't going to be a hardcore survival game. And that when you died, you know, it wasn't going to be like something like DayZ where you, you lost everything. So uh, I, I think it, it made a, a great bridge into that genre that people are looking for some kind of you know fun survival game and and who are kind of afraid to jump in because 
they're afraid of losing all their progress or they're afraid of their friend losing all their progress and then they have to kind of reset and start over. Uh, so I think Fallout going in that route is is a really good decision. The game looks really great. Um, I, you know, Dana mentioned earlier about the timeline and, and where everything falls because there are trees on the ground and everything's not destroyed. Uh, so it's nice to see um, not quite the, you know, a wasteland um, jumping into a Fallout game that we actually are getting some greenery um, and some civilization going on. Uh, beyond that, you know, announcing the new Elder Scrolls um, and announcing, um, gosh, I can't remember. Do, do you remember the name of the, the, yeah, uh, like Star, Starfield, Starfield. Uh, yeah, so announcing Starfield and announcing the new Elder Scrolls, uh, it's it's definitely good to have things to look forward to. Obviously, we didn't see much, but we know that they are in development. I think everybody knew Elder Scrolls was in development, but it was good to hear that Bethesda is branching out its wings and jumping into a new IP um, and you know a new franchise for them going forward. Um, beyond that, you know, I think everybody was expecting. Um, Doom um, and you know Rage I'm still kind of on the fence with uh, the the first game was kind of hit or miss for me but you know they uh, it, Rage specifically I think looked really good when they premiered it a while ago uh, when the first one was premiered a while ago and then it came out and it was just okay Doom um, a couple years ago when they talked about Doom I thought premiered really bad and then I played it. And it was a great game. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on on how to judge um, both Doom and, and Rage going forward. Um, but overall, I thought that they had a, a solid, fun conference. It looked like everybody in attendance was having a great time. Uh, and, you know, I think Bethesda really has done a good job of getting the fan base excited for what's to come in the future. That sounds good. So um, as for my thoughts on Bethesda's conference, you know, uh, the setting that they had it in, um, the last time I was at that setting was when they had the Call of Duty uh, World Championships out, you know, it's it's a near uh, LA Live. Uh, it, it was, it's a nice setting, nice way they set it up. Um, of course, they, they had some entertainment, you know, they had drinks on and so forth for everybody before you even got into the conference uh so when we got into the conference the complaint that i have is the way they had the seating because everyone had ticketed seating like you had to get in there but then once you got through security you got an actual ticket that would tell you where you're supposed to sit at the way they set up the actual stage if you saw on the stream uh depending on where you sit you didn't necessarily have the best view of of everything that was going on because even though they had a wide screen the center part of the screen was the only area where they actually showed some footage of the actual announcements so i wasn't really a fan of that um when the conference got started you know yeah rage 2 i was fine i i know they had their whole the concerts going on they had the the rock performance ah that was okay i guess uh rage 2 i wasn't really someone who played the first game so I didn't really care about that too much. You know, I like Avalanche Studios, so I'm going to give the game a try when it comes out to see how it is. But yeah, Rage 2, they showed. I was surprised to see Wolfenstein and the fact that they're now talking about another Wolfenstein game. 
I don't necessarily think that that is the true sequel to Wolfenstein 2. That could be like another expansion, like when they had the expansion before uh, for Wolfenstein. Um, I'm curious to find out more information about it, but again, that won't be out until 2019. Uh, the VR support for Wolfenstein and Prey, I think that was going to be a given that they were going to do that because they've already done VR support for the other games, so I was fine with that. Uh, moving on to the announcements that were made later in the show, Doom 2, obviously, yeah, looking forward to that. I don't necessarily like the name Doom Eternal, but still looking forward to it because the last Doom was, was awesome. Um, and then, of course, ending out the show with Fallout 76, uh, and then Starfield, and then um, Elder Scrolls 6. I think that was a lot of, that was a bit overkill. I, I honestly think that right there is why a lot of people feel Bethesda had the best conference because they announced these games. But the thing that people should remember is I'm pretty sure Elder Scrolls 6, this is nowhere near being done to completion. You won't see most of these games until next generation with PS5 and, you know, whatever the next Xbox is called. So that stuff is far, far out. From, from being released. Starfield, I have no idea when that game is coming, but I, I would assume that that may be the final game uh, of this generation from Bethesda if it isn't uh, to start off the next generation. But, I mean, I think the announcements are good, but I, I think, again, I really don't think you could be glad that they were announced. I really don't think, it, you know, you should be getting too excited about the games yet because we need to see. Starfield, we saw a trailer. We have no idea what to expect from this game. And with Elder Scrolls, more of the same. So I think we need to wait and see what these games are, what they're actually going to do with these games before we get overly excited about it. That's just my personal opinion. But I still think it was a good show, significantly better than EA. And I will be saying that uh, multiple times, I'm sure, with a lot of these conferences. But yeah, great show from Bethesda. <laughs> All right, so any other thoughts on Bethesda's conference? It started off shaky a little bit, but I'm telling you, Rage 2 was the only thing that, like, got me going. It looks crazy. And, and yeah, it was like this Mad Max thing going on. Um, but I thought they had a very decent show, obviously much better than EA Play. And I like the fact that you said we still have to wait and see before we start getting excited. Because a lot of these games are 2019. So... But I'm, I'm slightly a little excited for Rage 2. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that. Uh, how about you, Gary? Um, yeah, it, it was it was decent. Um, the first half for me, I mean, it's all subjective, but um, the first half I wasn't, you know, that thrilled about because Rage is cool, but like you know i feel like we've seen too much of it already because we saw like a few gameplay videos before e3 even happened and we saw it at xbox 2 i believe um so yeah i was a bit burnt out on rage by that point um i think this conference for me really took off when todd howard came out um because you know everything he spoke about i was uh kind of interested in you know um, Fallout 76 looks cool to me. I, I like the concept of an online Fallout uh, game, and I think there's some some interesting things they can do with that. Um, 
and i was starting to question the whole elder scrolls uh, mobile thing because you know they already have elder scrolls online and now they're rolling out this uh, elder scrolls mo- mobile game so in my mind at that time i was thinking are they abandoning abandoning the idea of creating uh, a next gen elder scrolls and just going with these you know with these two iterations of elder scrolls but then you know they did of course announce that they they are working on elder scrolls 6 uh of course we were probably not going to see that game for at least you know another year and a half or two years even but um just to know that it is coming that that's you know that's enough for fans i think because uh, we've been waiting for this for a long time and it's been they, they've been pimping out skyrim for almost 10 years now like so yeah, we definitely needed another another Elder Scrolls. Um, so it's good to know that that's coming. Uh, also, it was cool seeing uh, Mr. Richard Bailey here and Hip Hop Gamer on screen. You know, we saw you guys a lot. On, oh, on so hey, hey, wait, hold on. I don't know if that was me because I need to go back and watch that stream. It could have been somebody what? else. It was you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well. Hey, well, that's good. And since you mentioned Hip Hop Gamer, I want to give a shout out to Hip Hop Gamer. Because every single time that I, I knew he was in the building when he got excited when they announced mm-hmm. the Fallout release date, he was like, "Oh, oh my God, it's coming out this year!" Man, I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. And I know the people around me were a little annoyed, but uh, yeah, I love to see that because I know exactly when this guy is going to get excited about some of this stuff. So that 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 that, that, that was entertaining to see. <laughs> yeah, but uh. Sounds good, Gary. So, any thoughts, any final thoughts on uh, Bethesda Conference before we move on? Because I believe we have two more, well, a couple more to talk about. Oh, and I am um, excited for their, their space game. Because to me, it's like they, they've, they've tackled two um, interesting themes with Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Like, you have fantasy and you have post-apocalyptic. So, the fact that they're creating something in space has me very intrigued. Oh yeah, I, I I mean it definitely is intriguing. Um, we just have to, I guess they'll start showing footage next E3, if not before then, because I think right now they're all in focused on uh, Fallout seventy six and uh, some of the other games they have coming out this year. But um, yeah, they definitely got to talk more about Starfield in the future, and and like I said, show it because I I haven't really seen anything yet. I can think of the possibilities, and it, it sounds interesting, but they definitely need to show us some more on that um but we'll get it eventually all right so let, let, let's move on to to ubisoft um i i i want to go ahead and, and start this one off because i'm gonna be pretty brief with ubisoft uh i had the xbox uh event that took place so right as soon as that event ended i had to rush over to ubisoft you know ubisoft was packed a lot of people there Last year, I think they had an excellent conference. You know, they had, uh, you know, the Mario Rabbits game was there, and that got a massive reaction uh, along with uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2. So this year, uh, I figured there was really only one game that I was waiting to hear an announcement for. I mean, we already knew about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, so I, I figured they were going to talk about this game. Uh, of course, the game I'm talking about is Splinter Cell. That was nowhere to be found uh, at all. Now, I understand why they didn't announce it, because obviously Assassin's Creed Odyssey, 
you know, they announced that and that's actually coming October 5th. You know, that's coming very, very soon. So they need to focus on that, obviously, because that's a huge game for them this fall. Uh, the Starlink game, which I also saw, I thought that was awesome. I did get a chance to play that game as well. Uh, so that very much reminded me of Star Fox. Uh, and of course, it's funny. It's, it's very fitting that Star Fox is also going to be in the game as DLC as well. So that game is fun. So I enjoyed that. Uh, I mentioned Assassin's Creed. Fantastic. I did get a chance to play that. I will also have a preview for that as well this week. So stay tuned for that. Um, in terms of everything else they had in the conference, uh, Division 2 is okay. Um, I didn't really finish the first Division game. I played a lot of the game. I haven't finished it yet. I have to go back and finish it. But Division 2, what I played is pretty much it feels like the same game before, just more of it. And obviously it takes place in Washington, D.C. now instead of New York. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still a fun game. Uh, Skull and Bones, which is a game that I know Gary absolutely loved last year at E3. Um, I think that game has potential, but the issue is that I don't really know what else they have in that game beyond the stuff on the ship. And this is where I think about a game like Sea of Thieves because I still haven't played Sea of Thieves. I definitely want to check out Sea of Thieves now to see the comparison between this game and that game. But I can tell you right now, the art style in, uh, you know, Skull and Bones, I like that art style a lot more than I like Sea of Thieves art style. Not to say that the game is bad. I have to actually play it. So I will get a chance to actually play it this week, and maybe I'll talk about it next week, share my thoughts on it. But Don't do uh, it. You said don't do it. <laughs> do it. Don't do it. No. Say no. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll try to give it a fair shake. Uh, but I will say Skull and Bones... I mean, I, I like the, the combat. They, they seem to have mastered that, you know, because they had this feature in the other Assassin's Creed games. The combat is fun, but I really haven't really seen... I mean, I don't really know what else it has beyond that. So I can't really sit here and say it's going to be better than Sea of Thieves yet. I have to see more of the game. And when I spoke to them at the event to ask them, they said that there will be more, but they can't really talk about anything yet. So I, I have no idea what exactly more content they're going to have in that game. I just have to wait and see. But I will say, for what it's worth, it, I, it, it was a fun game. I did enjoy it when I did play it. So we'll we'll see what else they have in store for that. But just to end off my thoughts on the Ubisoft conference as a whole, a ton of people there. No Splinter Cell announcement. So I was very disappointed in that. But again... The only reason why they didn't talk about that is because they have all these other games they want to focus on. So now I fully expect to see Splinter Cell at the next Ubisoft conference because this was a game that I thought we were going to get it announced last year at Ubisoft conference, and it didn't. But, you know, obviously they're working on Watch Dogs 3. They're working on Splinter Cell. So these games are going to definitely get announced the next time around. They just decided not to do it at this point in time. But it's all good. I will wait and see what they're doing with that. But outside of that, the conference was, I think, pretty good. Uh, if there's one takeaway I do uh, come away from that conference, I know Ubisoft has a very, very good relationship with Nintendo. Because to have these Nintendo characters just pop up in these different games, that is very, very interesting. Uh, and I'm very curious to see how far they take that with the other franchises. Because I'm pretty sure this is not the last time you'll see Nintendo characters appear in a lot of their games. So... We'll see how that goes. But uh, Chris, 
you have any thoughts on uh, Ubisoft conference? I cut <clears throat> I cut bits and pieces of the Ubisoft conference. Um, what I did catch was Skull and Bones, and I actually did get to play a thirty minute demo on the floor of Skull and Bones. Um, and uh, like you said, the, the the mastery of the the naval combat is, is there. It feels really good. It's a little bit slow, but in terms of combat and and finding your enemies and feeling like you're actually in a naval battle it really nails that like you said there is that feeling of well what else is there to do and in the game there wasn't much or in the game demo that i played uh there wasn't much else to do other than kind of find some sunken ships and grab some treasure there were no ports to go to you couldn't get off the ship um with your crew or anything like that uh, I did ask one of the devs, hey, is is that something that's going to be coming into the game? And they responded by saying that it's not here in this demo, and that's all that they could say. So that gives me a little inkling that you may actually be able to get off your ship or mess or you know, kind of tweak your crew or you know, possibly go to an island or some other places to, to dock your ship in the future. Uh, but at least in the demo that I played, you couldn't do that. Uh, it was more just a deathmatch demo with, I think we had a good 12 people rolling around in ships, shooting at each other, and it was really fun. So uh, Skull and Bones, I thought, was 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 really good. Uh, I did see the Division 2 trailer, um, and in tandem with you know what we, see, what we saw at the Microsoft conference, I think we really need to get away from doing these scripted uh, multiplayer talking uh, walkthroughs. It, it sounds so forced, and it's nothing like it is when when all of us are playing a game. So I think having that type of of, of scripted segment just kind of takes away from what your game can actually, you know, show on a technical aspect and on a gameplay aspect. But that being said, um, I briefly played the first division. I didn't enjoy it. I maybe played it for a couple weeks and then I stopped. This hasn't done anything for me to kind of jump back into the fray, but I think it may, this one may have to be like a word of mouth thing for me, where if enough people say, hey, you should jump on the Division 2, they've really made some improvements that may make me jump back in. Uh, it was nice to see the Beyond Good and Evil 2 trailer. That was really cool. They showed a little bit of gameplay, so that was awesome to see. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, it's still a beautiful looking game. Uh, it's cool that they're that we're going into Greece, um, so I, I, and it looks like they're they're still more focused on the historical aspects than doing the sci-fi aspects, which I think is a great move. Um, other than that, I think the only other thing I saw was the uh, Mario um, the Mario Rabbids crossover, and like you said, it, it definitely shows that they have a strong relationship with Nintendo for. For Nintendo, you know, even before, and I actually haven't played the the first Mario Rabbids game for the Switch, but I heard it's fantastic. But for them to put, you know, their 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 flagship character in there and and put Mario in a uh, Ubisoft game and have that collaboration, you know, shows how much trust Nintendo has in this publisher. And you know, now branching out into Donkey Kong, branching out into Star Fox, um, it's it's really exciting to see what we might get down the line in terms of. You know more collaborations with Nintendo, and I did check out the um, trailer for uh, Rainbow Six Siege. 
um, their documentary about their professional players. And I thought that that really did a great job of, you know, humanizing and showing, you know, some of the um, personalities and pressure that these professional uh, esports players have um, for, you know, any type of, of professional gaming uh, competition. So I I'm looking forward to seeing that Rebo 6 uh, documentary uh, and seeing how it compares to kind of my experiences in esports and current experiences with the Overwatch League. Um, but yeah, from what I saw, I think Ubisoft definitely better than, than EA. <laughs> um, I don't know if it, it was quite as bombastic as, um, you know, Sony, Microsoft or, uh, Bethesda, but I thought that they had a solid showing overall. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. So, uh, you, uh. Gary or Dana, you have any additional thoughts on Ubisoft? I'm disappointed no one expressed their love for Just Dance 2019. They put a full performance for you. Nothing? <laughs> I, 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 all, all I want to know is why the hell was a panda, someone dressed up in a panda outfit dancing? Is, is the significance of that particular panda in connection to the music? Because we're all dancing deep in our hearts. You're fun inner panda. Come on now. <laughs> we're going through a lot of troubles in this world. Panda, white and black, uniting for the love of dance. Well, well, I did. I did hear Gary was dancing when he uh, when he saw their presentation. So yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Skull and Bones looked really good, and I need to know more about this game. But um, yeah, it just looked so great, and just the the gameplay alone, where you're just able to destroy other ships and then just take them over, that seemed really fun. Um, and I was really interested in the Starlink Battle for Atlas game, and I'm the only person, probably on the face of this earth, who's really excited for Transference. So, yay me! Oh yeah, I I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that that, that is something worth getting excited for. Did they? Was this the one that announced the show? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It definitely was there. I just forgot about that. But yeah, that that is worth getting excited for. So yeah, that and yeah. So transference, it was control as well. That looked crazy. Oh wait, no okay. control. Control oh, is PlayStation. Control is oh. PlayStation. Yeah, we'll I'm get into that next. Else. We'll get into that. Next. That for later. Yeah, transference. I'm really uh, interested in learning more about. Absolutely. So, how about you, Gary? Uh, I, I, let me go ahead and just say right now, I'm sure that you love the Assassin's Creed Odyssey, correct? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, especially after everything I've heard about it, you know, after the fact, um, I'm definitely excited. But seeing it then at you know, Ubisoft was was definitely um, something special, and it looks uh, looks like they've made a lot of improvements over you know um, since Assassin's Creed Origins. So definitely looking forward to it. Um, and as for the conference overall, um, it it was a solid conference. I think, um, yeah, like starting off with Just Dance was like you know I, I was just glad they got it out of the way to be honest with you because. 
sometimes they you know randomly throw it in in the middle of the conference and it kind of sh- slows things down a little bit but you know i'm glad they they got that out the way early so then after that it was just you know uh everything was kind of on track um beyond good and evil looks great like the gameplay and everything uh it's it was a bit strange to, to have them asking you know people to contribute to it uh it's kind of cool actually that you know artists and musicians can contribute work but um i think everybody just kind of wants to learn more about the game at, at that point um so maybe that's like a separate announcement they could have released like a, a separate video they could have you know put out saying that um you know we're, we're allowing people to contribute to the game but i think uh you know at that moment we just wanted to see more of the game itself um but yeah i mean everything else division two um i mean i'm i'm gonna buy that game regardless just because i did kind of enjoy the first game um and i'm hoping that you know the second game has much more content to to keep me playing after i beat it and everything um but i I wouldn't say it you know the what they showed was groundbreaking or it blew me away or anything it just seems like more division in a new setting kind of thing but you know i've I've already decided i'm gonna buy it anyway so um i guess they did their job um and yeah uh, assassin's creed was great um i guess people were you know expecting splinter cell and you know we didn't we didn't really get that but i'm sure that's something we'll get in the future uh and uh oh the uh what is it starlink the um that game yeah that that actually looks pretty cool like you know even though it's like a toy thing you have to buy the toys and everything um it does seem kind of cool um and i've gotten more into like space games and space uh settings recently so you know it kind of kind of sparked my fancy a little bit but yeah that that's pretty much all my thoughts on ubisoft i I just want to make a quick comment on that before i move on to sony yeah the toy thing is really really awesome it's really cool because you could switch out stuff like you know you 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 play the game as you would normally and whenever you want to switch out uh and use a different weapon like you know you want to put a gun or any type of ice or fire blaster on the side of your vehicle you literally just pull the piece off and then the game will automatically stop and pause right then and there you put the piece back on and then you can start playing and right away you'll be able to use those weapons so what they got going on with that is really awesome uh i don't really know if people are going to want to spend a ton of money on all those toys because they have more than one ship and of course, they have the Star Fox character as well as other characters. So I don't know if people are going to want to spend all that money. But with the toys, it works really, really well. It's it's awesome. So I do hope that game does well. But, uh, you know, we'll find out because it is coming out later this year in the, one of the busiest months of the year, October. So hopefully for their sake, people are interested and they do plan on picking it up. Yeah. So, um... Let's move on to Sony now because um, I know there was a lot of people that was asking me what I thought about Sony and they were very curious as to what I was going to say because we were actually there. So before I give my thoughts, Chris, I'm going to let you 
uh, share your thoughts because I'm also curious to know what you thought of the actual way that they had the presentation set up and then the actual presentation itself. So the floor is yours. So as somebody who was in attendance and um, went through everything that they had to present as well as everything they had after set up, I, I think it was the most fun that I've had attending a press conference ever. Uh, I thought that they did a great job of setting the tone and setting the mood, you know, before they even showed anything. And then to make the journey, you know, from the the church scene, um, which was a great reveal that that's where we were in the game um, during the Last of Us trailer. And then moving on, we actually left that scene, walked past like a, a waterfall with um, like water lilies and... Uh, cherry blossoms, and then into that big, huge tent uh, with the panoramic screen um, with more cherry blossoms and everything. It was such a great experience. Um, you really felt like you were being taken on a journey, and I know that that's what they were going for. Um, from actually speaking to one of Sony's producers, they had talked about how they went to um, some art installations in, in New York City, um, some interactive theater insta uh, uh, installations that, that were in New York City that they really enjoyed kind of going through and, and taking a journey into different rooms and getting a different feel. So, you know, trying to translate that over and mix things up into a press conference was, was kind of a breath of fresh air. Uh, I, I had such a great time, but I had heard on stream it was a completely different story. Um, it, it just didn't come across well to people who weren't there and the viewers on stream. I know that there were technical difficulties. I know that there were sound difficulties. Um, I know that they had cut back to uh, just like a couple of people talking, not really being able to segue into the next segment when all the press were moving from room to room. Uh, and that's really unfortunate because that, that experience got me really excited for everything they were about to show and that they were showing. Um, and it's really unfortunate that that, that didn't translate over to the, the viewing audience. As far as the games go, uh, Last of Us 2 looked incredible. Um, the animations are far and away ahead of anything else that anybody else is doing on the market right now. Um, every Everything in that trailer was, was just show, so ahead of the curve um, in terms of um, animation, movement, storytelling. I thought that they did um, a great bang-up job uh, showcasing that game, and I can't wait to, for it to come out and to be able to play it. I was hyped before. I'm extremely hyped now. Um, but I thought that it did a disservice to open with The Last of Us 2 over all the other games that they showed because I was so blown away by... Uh, the game graphically and animations and sound that um, everything else they showed, including Death Stranding, which I thought looked great as well, looked almost a little janky compared to what The Last of Us had, had shown. So I think opening up with Last of Us 2 was a bit of a mistake. I think you could have opened up with Death Stranding and built something around that. Um, and then kind of segued in and, and used Last of Us 2 as the, as the closer. But overall, you know, they, they came with gameplay with everything, which was really nice. It was nice to actually see, you know, 
gameplay of of all the games that were coming out. Um, Death Stranding, in particular, we didn't get a lot, but we at least kind of did get to see the game running um, and not just uh, in cutscenes. So while there wasn't a lot of games from Sony, um, what they had kind of did make a really big lasting impact. I think that it, it really kind of elevated on the press side of things, which you can do for a press conference, but um, unfortunately, at home, I don't think that that really translated well at all to anybody just watching on the stream. Um, and then afterwards, you know, when we actually got to go out and and play some demos like um, Spider-Man and you know see what they had set up afterwards, you know, they had different sections set up for the press that were that were themed um, for all the games that they were showing, um, and that was that was really. You know that additional detail for those games was was great to see, but it was again it was another one of those things that the public at home didn't get to see. Um, so I think Sony did a great job with the conference. I thought that they did a fantastic job just showing off the gameplay of their games and giving everybody something to look forward to. Um, and for the press, it was great, and for the people at home, I guess not so great. Um, so I can't give them the best conference of, of E3. They definitely did a solid job. Um, it was the most enjoyable for me, but I still, you know, get the best of Microsoft overall. Yeah. So that sounds awesome. Yeah. Very good thoughts. Um, so I, I, I want to give a disclaimer to everybody. Um, I am going to have some controversial thoughts on this conference. So let's, let's uh, get prepared for that ahead of time. So uh, in regards to the way they set it up, for those of us who were in attendance, uh, I will say that opening with The Last of Us and to have a setting that pretty much mimicked what we saw in the trailer, I have to give them some creativity points for that. Uh, However, I will say that um, the way that that particular conference was handled, it was it was a little confusing, and I think it could also be confusing to those that were at home. I know when they started off the conference, they said, we're going to talk about these four games. And so the way that they were setting it up, I thought it was going to be something where we were going to be walking to different areas to get an introduction of each game. But that's not what happened. You know, we got the Last of Us experience in there, which was great. But then we walked to see Ghost of Tsushima. That was great. But we knew when the minute we walked into that room, oh, we're not going to go to another area because everybody didn't want to stand anymore. And I totally understand and sympathize with that. But um, I just think I would have liked it a little bit more if we actually were going to different areas. Because I know when we ended off the show and we went outside, they had a Spider-Man area out there and they had uh, a little Death Stranding poster by the side. So that's fine, but... I would say a little disappointing from that perspective because I thought if you're going to introduce the show with this one setting and then you're, you're going to have maybe two other settings. But I totally understand why they did that because, again, you, you it, what they showed in between the segments, and I will ask Gary and Dana about that afterwards, that could have been confusing to some people. Um, so I think they really need to think about this stuff because when we, we've gone to the shows in the past. For the past two years, the Sony conference – it really was an experience where you needed to be there to see what they were doing behind the scenes. And I don't think they really captured that stuff as well uh, for those who watch from home. 
which is why some of them maybe criticize the show and then think the shows were good. But you really needed to be there to really get the full experience. And I, once again, I don't think that they've really done a good job of making the people at home feel as though they were seeing something fantastic by being at home. They really needed to be there to really understand and see what Sony actually put into the actual production, the set, so on and so forth. Um, so now to talk about the conference itself, um, and this may be controversial for some, but I have to say it, you know, the last of us two trailer was fantastic. Uh, and I, I agree with a lot of what everyone said about it being impressive. However, and I think that Gary will agree if I was to pick one trailer from that show that actually stood out to me the most, it had to be Ghost of Tsushima. And the reason why I say that is because I think about the fact that Sucker Punch is working on this game. They obviously are working, all the games they have made, they're nothing like this game at all, you know, and they are taking it upon themselves to do a lot of research to really create this world and make it something that is different and unique from what they've done before. So from that alone, I was impressed with that because even though the trailer didn't last long, we saw a little bit of gameplay action. The game looks fantastic, but it's a lot more intriguing because it feels like it's something different, new, and fresh coming from them. The Last of Us 2 was incredible, but I also feel like it's more of the same in terms of the violence. You know, yeah, maybe they made it a little bit more violent. You know, a lot of the stuff that Ellie did, you know, just completely taking people out left and right. That was fantastic. And then you had the emotional punch they were packing with her. And, you know, she says the kiss with the girl. I don't have a problem with any of that. I think that is incredible. But this is the type of stuff that I expect from Naughty Dog to have these incredible showcase trailers. And then with Last of Us, the first game, with the brutal nature of the game, I, I felt that was already there. Now, they obviously turned it up even higher with this one. That's fantastic because, you know, I like these games where it's nonstop violence. But, I again, it's, it's more more what I would expect from Naughty Dog. I did not expect anything that I saw from Ghost of Tsushima, and I thought that definitely was the highlight for me personally. Um, but, yeah, still solid what they showed. Uh, Resident Evil 2 Remastered, that was fantastic. You know, I knew there were rumors of that going to get announced, uh, and I, I enjoyed that very much. Control, I got a chance to actually see that at E3. That was fantastic. Um, I know a lot of people were, were talking to me after the show, like, oh, so that's a PS4 exclusive. No, it is not. It's coming to Xbox and PC also. So just, just relax a little bit there on that. Um, but in terms of what Sony had to show, I saw they had the Dreams. Dreams was pretty much used as introduction for a lot of the games. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, the show itself, they had some good ideas, but it definitely was not the best show uh, of everything that I saw. And that is because I don't really think they take into account the presentation and how it would be perceived by the audience at home. Because what I did hear is that they showed the exact same trailers that they showed leading up to the show, which was the Death Stranding, uh, I'm going to say the uh, Days Gone release date, stuff like that. And I would think, well, why show that stuff uh, early if you're going to show it during the show? But I, they did that so that everybody can get that news ahead of time. But still, I don't like the way that they, they did that for everyone at home. Being at the show, it was okay. But I still would have said, if you're going to introduce it this way, where you're going to introduce one game in one setting, you probably should try to do that for every game. But they didn't. And as for Death Stranding... To me, 
this may be the most controversial statement I make. That was by far the most disappointing thing that I did see at Sony's conference because I was glad we got gameplay, but there's still so many questions of stuff not knowing what this game is. We know that uh, Norman Reedus is delivering stuff. That's great. That's all that I know. And I still need more questions answered. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed with that. I, I, I cannot lie about that. But outside of that, um, the show was still okay. Once again, still a better show. Far, far better than EA. Hands down better than EA. Everything I saw was better than EA. And I have to say that multiple times so EA gets the message. But still, I think it was a... It, 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 it was a good show for, for what they did show. You know, they had me excited for Last of Us 2. They had me excited for Ghost of Tsushima. Absolutely, 100%. And Resident Evil, yeah, definitely Resident Evil. But uh, outside of everything else, I still wanted to see a lot more. I did find out uh, just a few days ago, they actually have more exclusives that they didn't announce at this show. So I'm assuming they're going to save that stuff for Gamescom, if they are at Gamescom, but definitely at PSX, if not Gamescom, which is fine because you need to have some surprises. But overall, still a good show. Um, still great games to get excited for, so I give them credit for that. But, yeah, could have used some improvements, in my opinion, in certain areas. But uh, Gary and Dana, uh, you may disagree, so I'm curious to hear what your thoughts were on the conference. And uh, how about you go first, Dana? <laughs> uh, well, I really wish I was with you guys, because that sounded like a very visually beautiful conference compared to what we got was just technical issues pictures were dropped the sound quality was awful you know we had those three commenters we had the commentators just talking about i don't even know what it was so bad but other than the technical difficulties i will say that it was it was a good show like it got me really excited um the whole situation with the death stranding Oh, God. It was like sitting through a Wii U fit for walkers. All they did was just walk and carry things and walk. But here's what I hope happens. I don't want them to reveal a plot. I want them to let every everything is unknown and secretive until the release date. You get the game and then, boom, you get a huge surprise as to what the game is really about. And everyone flocks on Twitter and it's all like this conspiracy thing and everyone has different ideas and thoughts. That's what I think they might be going for. Maybe the walking part is the only thing that they can reveal without revealing any parts of the storyline. So while I was confused and frustrated, if that's the route they're taking, then thumbs up. Um, overall, the, the, the show was very good. It got me very excited. And it was just action-packed. That whole first off with the um, Last of Us 2, the gameplay was just, it was crazy. It was very violent. And I love how everyone's going crazy in an uproar over that kiss. It's just a video game. It's all right. Uh, but that looked very exciting. Yes, there are parts that it looked very similar to the previous game, but they just kind of upped the violence. But it just, it seemed more like, you know, one of those games where all you're trying to do is just survive. And so I like the violence. The Ghost of Tsushima really was the one that surprised me the most. That the gameplay had the graphics, everything just looked beautiful. And that was like, you know, for me, it just felt like it came out of nowhere. And it was like the most memorable of, of the games at that conference. Um, the also control, 
uh, the third, I know it's a third person game from Remedy. That looked really crazy as well. And there's a lot of mind controlling thing that goes on with it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that one. And Resident Evil 2, the remastered one. Oh, that looked really violent. And, and it looked like it was just one of those games that you're going to have to play, you know, with the lights on and probably have friends over. Um, I know they also revealed uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean world in Kingdom Hearts 3. I just don't care about that. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it was a very good game. And then also Spider-Man. They ended it off with Spider-Man. And that was the gameplay looked. It looked beautiful. It looked smooth. And it looked like it's going to be like the best of the Spider-Man games. And it kind of gave me like a little essence of Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. And I like how it it did show a lot of the gameplay, also a lot of the fighting. But I liked how when they ended it, it's like somebody appears and we don't know. So my theory, I know that they said that the game takes place in the Avengers universe. So my theory is that this may be the Avengers game a little bit. That we might be able to play some of the other characters. I know Miles Morales is in it. So I'm just really interested to see what, what else is going to happen. And I don't want them to spoil everything because I want to be excited for when I sit down and play it. Sounds good. I'll make a quick comment, then I'm going to go to Gary. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man is a lot of fun. We actually did get a chance to play that after the, the Sony conference. Um, yeah, the game is fun. The combat feels a lot like uh, the Batman Arkham games. A little bit more... You know, it's a little bit more to it, though. It's different layers to the to the combat that you can do. But uh, the little part that I played was, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So, you know, looking forward to seeing what the final part of look, looks like. Obviously, it's, it's a lot to do in the game. A lot of different things that you can do around the city. So, but yeah, looks good. All right, Gary. Yeah, um, the Sony press conference was definitely interesting um i remember texting you rich as you know as you were there and everything and you know you were telling me oh lagos in some place standing up and then you know i saw people tweeting from the the conference on twitter and like they were sharing a, a church and i was like wow what's going on here man um so yeah it was it was interesting how they did that i i do like i kind of like that concept because when um, after the guy was playing the instrument and it went straight into the trailer, it was kind of impressive to see, you know, like the same exact room that you guys were in. But um, I think just the fact that they had you moving to another area, that really slowed down the show, especially for the people watching. Um, because, you know, they had to uh, segue to those commentators and everything. And it was like, you know, we don't care about this. Like, we just want to see, you know, a, a consistent press conference. For you guys, maybe it was more of an experience because you were actually there and you were like, you know, you you were, you were in the moment. You didn't know what to expect at that point. Um, so it was probably kind of exciting. Um, I'm glad they didn't actually do it to where you had to keep moving rooms. I'm glad that they, you know, once they had you in your, the, the main um, arena, they kept you there, you know, because that probably would have got tiresome really quickly. Um, in terms of the games shown, Sony definitely had the best exclusives at, at, at E3. Of course, they didn't have as many games to show as Microsoft, though. 
but um in terms of exclusives the ones they did show were were great um except death stranding because uh you know that that the footage they showed for death stranding was very questionable because the gameplay we saw of uh you know the characters walking it it, it didn't look great to be honest with you um and it looked like a walking simulator so um that wasn't very groundbreaking and plus we're still trying to figure out what what the game is even about at this point um i feel like we should have probably gotten some sort of speech from um hideo kojima just to elaborate more on uh you know what what the actual direction is for the game but um everything else was that they showed was good though um and i'm glad we still got a, a couple surprises with control and the resident evil 2 remake uh those were nice surprises um and yeah as for uh ghost of tsushima that's definitely one of the standout games of the entire show i think um because you know originally when we heard about the game i was like cool you know another samurai game but i didn't expect it to to look that good you know and it's it's very cinematic it's got that kind of last of us feel to it in terms of the presentation and everything um and yeah i, I can't wait to learn more about that game it's, it 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 seems amazing to me um last of us 2 is cool um you know it's one of those games where it's like yeah i'm going to buy it anyway so they don't even need to sell me on that cuz i'm already set you know already i already want that game but um what they showed was definitely cool because it's like you you couldn't tell when you were seeing um you know a a, a CGI a cutscene and when it was actually gameplay like you can hardly tell the difference it's it's so seamless and it looks cinematic the you know the entire way through it so that was definitely really good to see um Spider-Man was dope as well and i can't wait for that game i'm glad uh that game is only like 2 months away 2 or 3 months i think so uh yeah I'm, uh, i can't wait to get my hands on that um i like that they you know left it on kind of a tease where we you know we're left hanging kind of see, waiting to see who actually helps spider-man um and i like that they showed you know most of the sinister 6 as well so we kind of know what to expect in terms of villains in the game um But yeah, overall, you know, it was they took some risks on this show. Um and I think Sony is in a position where they can take those risks because people are already invested in the platform and we know they still have PSX as well at the end of the year. So it's like, okay, you know, Sony can just pretty much do what they want. Um Nintendo kind of does it too, you know, they just do whatever they want and we know that Nintendo's going to have more directs. throughout the year so it's like you know they they can get away with it i guess um but yeah definitely not one of the most consistent shows of E3 but um in terms of exclusives it was a great showing in my opinion that was good well what happened I heard an echo. Yeah. Oh, and can I just say quickly that I was slightly like, not disappointed, but I expected a little bit of more PSVR games. 
We only got like one like big like announcement. Yeah, they they there were a lot of uh, PSVR games that were actually at E3, so I, I'm not really sure why they didn't uh, show show more of that either. Um, but I don't know. I guess uh, they wanted to f- focus majorly on uh, the four games that they mentioned and throw in a couple of little surprises there. I guess they figured they didn't need to talk about PlayStation VR. I guess I I have no idea. Well, speaking of PSVR, I think they missed a really great opportunity to stream that conference in VR and have a VR experience where they could be in the in, in the church room and then be in you know take that that journey around. I think they missed a, a big opportunity to be able to provide that um, to those who who had the PSVR and to be able to watch it that way. Yeah. They, they absolutely could have did that. I mean, I, I, yeah, you, you make a very good point. You know, I feel like they could do a lot more with VR, you know, to show people. And, you know, especially since the PlayStation VR was on sale all week for E3, you know, this could have been an opportunity for them to do more with that. But I guess that's not really the full. I mean, I don't know what their plans are in terms of focus, but they, they should have definitely took some time out for that as well to show people who either already picked up a PlayStation VR or are planning to pick up one, why you need to have this device. So I don't know, but very good points. We'll see. All right. So any final thoughts on Sony before we move on? All right. So I actually had an appointment uh, the following day during the Nintendo conference. So I did not see the, the Nintendo conference at all. I'm not sure if you guys wanted to say something on Nintendo briefly, because uh, I, I missed that and it was out of my uh, control. So I was trying to stream it in a car at the time. So I am not the best. Judge. I saw the Smash Brothers announcement, but that's about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. So, Gary, Dana, anything you want to say on that Nintendo conference if y'all did get a chance to see it? I I sat through it, and it was just mainly Smash. Like, tons of Smash. Anything you ever wanted to know about Smash, it's just there. And I found it really interesting that after their um, presentation, their stocks dropped. Because it was just really disappointing overall. Uh, I mean, the only thing I can say is, you know, I, I like that they showed me how to play Smash. You know, they gave me a 30-minute tutorial on how to play Smash, so I can I feel like I can jump in on that game at any time now. And, you know, I, I can know how to play it, so that's good. You know, they showed me uh, the, the options menu and, you know, how to unlock trophies <laughs> and that stuff, so that's cool. <laughs> We also got a Super Mario Party, so that that looked fun. If you're into that, then you know it looked like it's really good. But other than that, it was rather forgettable. But it was still better than um, EA plays. And oh, there's another conference that was so awful. I forgot. Oh no! But anyway, just, it was it was just, just, just EA play. I'm pretty sure even the PC conference was better than EA play. Oh my God, the PC conference was amazing. Like, I don't watch it. It tends to just be really boring and it's all about AMDs. It was amazing this year. Good for them. Like, I actually didn't fall asleep. I was awake and excited. 
And it wasn't any Warhammer. It's more excited about that. See, that sounds good. That sounds real good. <laughs> All right, so any final thoughts on the conferences before we move on to, uh, I believe, what will be the final topic for today? Okay, so, yeah, so, Gary, I believe you wanted us to discuss for our final topic what were the uh, the best games that we experienced during E3 2018. Um, so, I, I, I mean, you, you, can, you can add more to that, but I, I will just say this as a quick preference before you say what you're going to say. Um, I want to remind everybody that, yeah, there are still plenty of reviews, well, previews coming I mean, I have a ton of stuff that I have to finish writing. I mean, we all have some stuff that we're still writing. So we may not mention every single game. It doesn't mean that it was a, you know, not a good game. But these are just mainly mainly to talk about some of the highlights of the games we did play. So, uh, Gary, go ahead and start this off. And you can, if you have any specific uh, thing you want us to mention in terms of um, a certain topic of what type of games... Go, feel free to go ahead. The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, a lot of stuff was shown at E3. And, of course, you guys were actually there. So um, the criteria can be a bit different, I guess. So, like, for me and Dana, perhaps we can just, you know, uh, give our top three games that we saw. And you guys can probably give, like, you know, your, your best uh, top three overall games that you know maybe you played or saw you know at, at the actual show and everything uh i guess it's up to you guys how you want to do it but well, yeah that, that sounds good so that's that's totally fine so yeah go, go ahead you you and dana could start off with your top three and then i have a uh, question first oh, go, go ahead i just want to know from the both of y'all how was it this year with the crowd control oh man that is a great <laughs> question that's a great question well i'll tell you what chris you can answer that question first because i believe you maybe had a lot more appointments on the floor than I did this year. Crowd control, I, I, having the window, I think it was a three or four hour window where the press just got on the floor was an amazing experience. Um, that that allowed, there was tons of space, felt good. Uh, you could get to where you were going. As soon as the public hit, um, as soon as it was was integrated with the public, it was a disaster. Um, you had people, uh, trying to get through security, um, at every juncture. And I think that the, the additional security measures that they put in were great. Um, it's just that you had the public in there not knowing what to expect, unfortunately. Um, and as soon as they got into the show floor, you know, you had people running around, knocking people over, you had people, uh, mad because they had to stand in line and didn't understand <laughs> how E3 worked. Um, you know, the first day I think was was the worst day um, in terms of that happening. I think then people kind of got the expectations of what they um, were in for. Unfortunately, on the first and second day, uh, I don't know if you experienced this um, as much, Rich. Uh, the air conditioning was out in a lot of the places. So on the first and second day, it was it was pretty warm um, throughout the conference halls. Uh, third day, air conditioning, all that was resolved. The initial rush on the third day of getting into E3, because it was a full public media industry day, that was a disaster. 
they did not have dedicated lines for industry people, media people, or the public. It was all mismatched. People were um, told to go in various different directions, and nobody could really find entrances um, and get in effectively. Um, security and line management just didn't do their job on that third day. Uh, but overall, um, I think that the the public needs to have either their own day um, or the media needs to have their own day. It, it needs to be one or the other to alleviate issues, getting to appointments or, you know, just being able to have that, that growth that E3 wants. I know a lot of it is about, hey, you know, the public's paying 250 or even a thousand dollars on site to get their their passes and and that generates revenue but uh for people in the industry who are trying to get to meetings um or you know you know just even trying to get in with all the additional security that was added um i think the public needs to have just their own separate day um to be able to experience everything after you know the media has been able to to book all their appointments and, and, and get everything done uh, I mean, the last thing I want to say is that I, I do think that everything they did with the security was absolutely needed. Um, you know, bags were, were pretty thoroughly checked. Um, you know, they had metal detectors at all the entrances. On the third day, they were checking everybody's IDs. And I literally saw bins full of passes that were confiscated for people, you know, trading off their, their passes to their friends or coworkers or something like that. So uh, thumbs up for the security. Um, I think they need to have a little bit more um, better handle on the line management. You know, some days, uh, some some days there were dedicated media and industry lines. Um, other days there weren't. So I think just figuring that out and getting a process of flow down of getting everybody you know in and out safely um, and being able to do the security checks uh, will help in the future. But overall. Um, the addition this year of more public did not help anything. And even with Microsoft being off-site and not being a part of the conference, um, I don't feel like it felt any more open or there was less foot traffic. I felt it was even, this year I thought it was even more um, compact and claustrophobic than last year. Jeez. So uh, allow me to say that I agree 120% with everything that you said about E3 this year. Um, the third day was a complete disaster because I actually had an appointment that morning and trying to get into that hall uh, when the doors opened up was ridiculous. They tell it, oh, media, you can't go in this door. You got to go in this door. And then it's still a line. So if you had an appointment that started right at nine, you were going to be late. Now, luckily, my appointment started a little bit later. But yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like about 930. So that was ridiculous. They definitely need to do something about that to have all of the media and press go in at the, well, the media and the public going at the same time is not a wise decision. Um, but yeah, the security measures were great. They also had those same security measures at every conference. Um I don't recall if that, well, yeah, that was the case with Microsoft also because Bethesda, you, we still had to go through metal detectors. Same thing with uh, the only one that didn't have that was Ubisoft. Um, but yeah, every other conference, they had that to make sure that there wasn't anybody bringing something in there that they shouldn't be bringing in there. So I appreciated that. Um, I want to give a shout out to a lot of the companies that had appointments that were nowhere near the actual convention floor. Cause like with Ubisoft, 
as I found out the same day that I had the appointment, they actually had us scheduled for meeting rooms that were actually above the conference hall. And that was fantastic because it's a much smaller setting. You don't have to worry about public because it's media only in this, these particular meetings. So every single person needs to have that in the future. You know, I remember I went to Warner Brothers and I was down there with the public, but I had a, a specific time I was supposed to be there. That was fine. So in some cases, it works okay to actually be out there in the public if you have an appointment. But other times, it just nothing is better than not having to have an appointment on the floor because all those people, it's either people who come there for the first time and, you know, they get starstruck with all the people they see walking around. So they're looking around, not paying attention, and then they're in the way. If I have an appointment to go to, excuse me, can you get out the way, you know, so I can get to my appointment? You know, that's it's too much of that going on. So they definitely need to control that better next year. But still, uh, the fact that they had the three hours in there for the media ahead of time, that definitely made a world of difference because I was able to get into South and West Hall without any issues whatsoever. And one thing that I did find interesting is West Hall, where Sony and Nintendo and a lot of other little companies were at, that pretty much wasn't as crowded. But when you go over to South Hall, where all the third parties are, that was always, always, always crowded. Um, and that's where a lot of the issues were with letting people in, you know, in different ways, stuff like that got to be a bit of an issue. But overall, definitely better than last year, uh, just in terms of having press get in a little bit earlier uh, to handle what they had to handle. Yeah, definitely better, but they can still improve in a lot of other areas. But we'll see what they do next year. Uh, as I believe Gary will also be there, so he will get to experience firsthand whether or not it's a good or a bad experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, I, I missed not being there this year, for sure. I miss seeing all of you guys. So hopefully next year, you know, I'll return and yeah. hope we can get the whole crew together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, now to go to the question you asked about the, the three games. Uh, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys go first. Uh, Dana, if, if there were three games from E3 that you were excited based on what you saw uh, on the stream, so on and so forth. Um, well, obviously, I saw the invisible edition of WWE No Mercy Remastered. So that was amazing. <laughs> um, no, the top three games. Oh, God, that's really hard and kind of unfair. Obviously, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, and I'm going to say the, oh, gosh. It just It's a toss-up between Sea of Solitude and, oh, I can't even remember. So Sea of Solitude, what the other game is. Yeah, those three. Those are like the most anticipated, looks really good. Yay, I, I hope it doesn't suck. Sounds good. Yeah. Good good picks, I have to say. Um, and Sea of Solitude, unfortunately, wasn't at EA Play at all. So uh, that was a little disappointing. But, it, you know, it'll be out early next year. So it's, it's all right. Okay. Uh, how about you, Gary? What were the three games that you saw based on what you've actually seen in terms of gameplay footage, so on and so forth from E3 that you think you're most anticipated for? Yeah, uh, it definitely is a, a tough question just, you know, because we're only going off of uh, trailers. And for me, like, I want to say Cyberpunk, but I can't really say it because we didn't actually get to see gameplay. You guys did. 
but um yeah we we didn't really get to at you know at the actual xbox show um so for that reason i'm i'm gonna have to go with ghost of tsushima of course because you know it was one of the most um pleasant surprises of e3 i think i think that stands out as the the biggest pleasant surprise because you know i wasn't uh i mean i of course with sucker punch behind it i expected it to be good but um i didn't you know expect it to be you know on that level so i was taken aback for sure so that's one of them um believe it or not i am gonna go with kingdom hearts as well and that's because i feel like i can actually you know play and enjoy this game because the previous kingdom hearts games they're they're great and i'm sure to a lot of people they're masterpieces but there is like a barrier there uh it's like you know they're they're quite complex games especially if you want to hop in and um understand everything and digest all of the story and everything like that's a, a whole load of hours that you have to dedicate to you know those uh all the previous games to really understand what's going on and everything um but from what they showed it seems like you you can jump in without having played those previous games and the the parts or like the the portions of gameplay that they actually showed does seem fun like it seems like there's going to be a lot of different fun segments um and you know being able to interact with some of these worlds like the toy story the frozen uh the um the the jack sparrow you know all all those different worlds i I think it's going to be a very cool concept and um i think it's something that's definitely needed uh at this point in time like i i feel like a lot of people were doubting the game but i feel like when it comes out it's going to surprise a lot of people and it's going to be a big deal i think so um i'm going to say that just because um looking at it it seems like something i'll enjoy playing um granted you know the the voiceovers did kind of uh confuse a lot of people and a lot of people had issues with that but the actual gameplay itself seemed you know quite fun to me so i'm gonna say that game and um the last one has to be assassin's creed odyssey because yeah that that looks incredible um and i like you know how there's two different choices of main character uh, what I'm hoping is that, um, and maybe, you know, Rich can talk about this more, but what I'm hoping is that they definitely, uh, the, the story definitely adapts to which character you, you choose and, you know, people react to them differently and it kind of shapes the story differently and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely impressed with that. And I was so impressed that it made me pick up Origins again. So, yeah, I, I think I'll go with those three. For mine, so those are good picks, and I'm gonna answer that quick that question real quick, and then I'm gonna go to Chris. Uh, I didn't really get a, a, a feel of that in the demo. The one thing that this game has is that you have different uh, the dialogue options, and you can either lie or tell the truth about certain stuff, and that will impact things as well. Like for example, one of the demos that I saw someone else playing, they they chose the female assassin. And in the particular demo, there's a point where you start a conversation with another character they introduce, and it's sort of hinted at that you can have a romantic thing with that character down the road because they had a heart icon next to one of the things that you could have said to him. 
sort of like in a flirtatious way. So I think the dialogue is going to impact uh, what happens in terms of how things play out, but not the actual characters. It's mainly about the, the dialogue stuff that you that you choose. Because when in my demo, I had a chance to start to go to war with somebody or to, you know, try to, you know, be strategic and build up an army to go to, to, to take down the person. And I just said, no, I just want to go to war with the person. So as a result of that, yeah, when I went to actually face the person, got outnumbered. So, yeah, some of that stuff does does transition over, but it's mainly about the dialogue and what you decide to actually say to the other character. But it is, it, it is awesome. It is fantastic, I would say. Definitely fantastic. Uh, yeah, so, okay, Chris, let us know what your picks are for the games you enjoyed most at E3 2018. So I'm going to break this up into, like, console, indie, um, VR, and, and then something that I actually didn't get to play but that I'm excited for. Um, so something okay. that I didn't get to play that, that I'm excited for it was, was Cyberpunk. Um, you know, I heard from from you and Max about the, the behind closed doors presentation and everything that that entailed. And obviously saw the trailer at Microsoft. I can't wait for that to come out as, as soon as possible. Um, it's, I think the way Max described it is Deus Ex, you know, on steroids, um, pushed up, you know, 200%. <laughs> um, and that's, that's right in line. And, and you guys talked about kind of the level of choice that you have and how, how many different scenarios there could be really got me excited about um what's what's to come for that game um so for for that i would say cyberpunk um as uh i had a lot of appointments with vr games this year and one of the vr games i played which is an oculus exclusive is called defector and in that game you are a a spy in training um and you're you are going out on on different missions. The missions I took was a kind of plane hijacking mission. Um, And it was kind of the first VR game that I've played that I felt completely, totally, 100% immersed in where um, the the game started out with me on the side of a plane needing to climb up uh, the side of an overturned plane. And so there's, there's like, you know, wind rushing by and planes rushing by, fighter jets... And I actually had to use the grips on um, the Oculus controllers to physically climb up the plane. And there were points where you know it was a little bit out of my reach because I'm a shorter person, so I had to jump up and make make the jump to grab on and, and get a grip with my hand. Um, and that level of interaction was was just really amazing. Um, the gunplay felt really good. It had the your typical you know drop the clip, hit your hands together, reload your clip, um, but uh, they had you strap in um, within the game on the side of a plane. So you were kind of hanging outside of a plane, Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise style, while trying to shoot down um, these other enemy fighter jets with, with your machine gun. Um, and it was just wild. It was completely wild. It was very arcadey. It was super fun. Uh, so that was like the best VR game um, that I saw. Uh, on the console side, I think Spider-Man was was my favorite thing to play on the consoles. The level of depth to the combat system was was shocking to me. There, it really does, like you said, 
before feel like an Arkham uh, Asylum type game in the in those Batman games, but there are layers upon layers of the things that you can do. Um, you know, everything from just running around, dodging, swinging, it all felt fun. And, and that's what, what was super important to me was that everything felt fun. It all flowed together. And within the combat, it feels like you could take on just thousands of different options um, to engage in, in whatever battle you were, you were taking on. Um, uh, most of the environment was interactable. You could grab beams, you could grab um, barrels, you could grab boxes, um, swing them around your head, drop them on people tie people up, swing them around. Uh, it was just tons of fun. And it felt really good. You know, the frame rate felt solid and everything. It was kind of everything that you would ever want out of a, out of a Spider-Man game or superhero game. So Spider-Man, I think, was the best thing I played on, on console. Um, and then on the indie side, I played a game called The Spectrum Retreat. Um, and I don't want to give away too much about this because um, I'm going to do a preview for it. Uh, but it, it won the BAFTA for uh, Best Young um, Game Designer. And it, it, the premise is basically uh, you kind of wake up in a hotel and you don't know why you're there or, or what's going on. Um, and you find yourself in a, in a situation where you need to kind of do puzzles to um, unlock and, and figure out why you're there. And it gave off a immediate shining vibe of the Overlook Hotel. Um, it, and then once you got into the puzzle sections, it gave off a, a very, very um, close to, to portal vibe. And the puzzles are extremely well designed and they have to do with color, um, color and space. And I, I thought that um, for one guy to um, put all these puzzles together and he developed this on, on Unity, and he was getting the most he could out of the engine. It looks it looks beautiful. Um, I thought that it was it was a tremendous achievement for for one person to be able to uh, put this together. Um, the, everything sounded great. It, it played wonderfully, and I think it's going to be um, one of those great puzzle games that that come out, um, you know, in the next few months. I think he was said it was going to come out um, by the end of summer. So I'm I'm really looking forward to playing that. That was awesome, man. And I have to say, uh, you have now set the bar for what I need to think about when I say uh, my games. <laughs> All right, so, man. It, well, it's going to be hard for me to choose one game that I enjoyed the most because there's it, it a lot of games that I that I did that I did, did get to check out and play. Uh, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to keep this uh, somewhat organized as well. So. If there was one game that I didn't get to play that I wish I did get to play uh, that wasn't playable, uh, I would say Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, definitely that because I just I like the trailer. I like the world they've shown in the game. I'm very curious to to see what else uh, Sucker Punch is doing with the game, but obviously that was not playable at E3. So unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, as for the VR game, I did get a chance to play that Creed game that I believe is coming to PlayStation VR, and I believe it's coming to Oculus as well. That game, I was not expecting to get what I got from that game. You know, that game was an actual workout. 
Uh, I did see Defector, but I didn't get a chance to go to, to actually check it out. I did see the footage from that. That game looks fantastic, so I'm glad to hear it's it's great. I have to definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, the Creed game, though, is, is, is very interesting. You know, it, it is like a typical boxing game. Of course, when I started the demo, they had Sylvester Stallone actually as the coach. Then you go through these exercises where it's basically telling you how to play the game with the boxing, stuff like that. Uh, then after you do that, you go into a short, quick demo where you're actually boxing a guy and you have to knock him out. Um, it is a lot to describe, but it is a workout because you literally are moving from side to side. Then they have this instance where if you get knocked down, you have to jog in place and you have to run like pretty much like you get knocked, knocked and then your spirit leaves your body, but you have to run back in place for your spirit to line back up with your body. And then once it lines back up, then you're back in the fight. There's a lot to that game. A lot of creativity in terms of thinking about these types of things. But I would say if you absolutely are looking for a great workout, this is the game you absolutely need to play. Uh, and it is coming out sometime this year. Um, but yeah, it's just a, I, I, I appreciate what they are doing with that game. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to what they what else they have to show. And they did tell me at that appointment they have two other unannounced games that they are going to be talking about sometime later this year. So we'll look forward to that. Now, in terms of the best games that I saw, um, there was one game that I did see. You guys have already mentioned it. Cyberpunk 2077. You know, Max and I got to see a full gameplay demo of the game. Uh, now, I will say that it was all live code, so there was one instance in the demo where there was a glitch, they had to stop it, but when they were able to restart it, it restarted right from the point that it needed to restart it. You wouldn't have to re replay anything else. That game looks fantastic. You know, Max has already said some, some things about it. I, I've also said some things about it, but yeah, the gameplay looks fantastic. I, I'm pretty sure that CD Projekt Red will release gameplay footage I would say with maybe within the next couple of months when they feel as though they've polished up a couple other things and they want to do that. But the sheer amount of things you can do in that game and the fact that it is a first person shooter because everyone knows the CD project red, the Witcher was third person, right? But the fact that they're able to make this first person, I know some people have criticized it, but the people who have criticized it haven't seen the footage. So obviously they're saying that they're skeptical because they haven't seen how it looks, but it looks absolutely fantastic. Um, that's all I can really say about it without actually showing anything because we weren't able to record footage. As I said, though, the footage will be out there sooner or later, so stay tuned for that. Um, two other quick games I want to mention. Control, which I mentioned earlier. A lot of people I've seen in the chat, they pretty much said, is this pretty much like uh, Quantum Break 2? Uh, I wouldn't say quite quite that. It's not in the same universe as Quantum Break. It does use the same engine, which is why some stuff looks very similar when the character does certain movements with the, you know, on the screen. That looks very similar. But the story is a lot more different than what you would expect. A lot more darker. Um... One thing that I found interesting when I asked them after the presentation, uh, is there going to be anything in this game tied to Alan Wake or is there going to be any tidbits from Alan Wake? They said they could not confirm or deny that. So my guess is that, you know, obviously stay tuned for that because there may be more 
that they have in there because if you know Remedy Games, they always have something in the game that ties back to Alan Wake, whether it's a TV show that you see that the character is able to watch, stuff like that. So very interesting for them to hear that because I, I want to know where Alan Wake 2 was at. I'm guessing maybe that'll happen down the road. But Control is fantastic. Um, seeing it actually in the actual gameplay, it, it looks fun. It does remind me of Quantum Break, but again, it has more to it because I feel Quantum Break was a good game. Uh, and I really liked in Quantum Break how they implemented the live action TV stuff with the actual gameplay. That was awesome. But this game, it has a lot more to it. So I'm very curious to see what else they have to show in terms of what they have. And uh, the final game that I would say that I enjoyed the most that I actually did get a chance to play, hands down, it is Forza Horizon 4. You know, I know some people will say you pick a racing game compared to all these other games. Man, I just want to tell you, Forza Horizon 4, it felt fantastic. I really enjoyed Forza Horizon 3. Uh, and the fact that they have the seasons and that type of stuff in this particular game, to me, it really elevates the game to another level. Because when I reviewed it, I said it was fantastic. But I didn't really think that they've really done enough with the actual environments in terms of having different uh, seasons in the dynamic weather, so on and so forth. All of that has been addressed in Forza Horizon 4, and I definitely think that is going to be a race. You know, I think that is the best racing game out this year. I am aware that the Crew 2 is coming out in a couple of weeks, but this is going to give that a run for its money. And I'm just hoping that it does well sales-wise because it is coming out once again in October, a month where there are a ton of other games also coming out. But the game is fantastic. Um, and as I said... There are plenty other games that I've played that I'm actually writing about that you will see previews for on the site this week. So I didn't want to mention them all here, but definitely stay tuned for, to the site because you're going to see a ton of stuff that we all are still writing from the show, as well as some videos. So stay tuned for that because it will be up throughout the week. But um, I think that pretty much concludes... Uh, some thoughts on E3. I don't know if you guys had anything else that you wanted to say about E3 2018 before we wrap up the show, but if so, please feel free to do so now. Oh, well. I guess then that's it for today's show. So, uh, we thank you all for listening. Um, Chris, do you have any shout-outs shout outs that you would like to give? Um, no, uh, you know, shout out to Gary for reaching out to me to, to be here today. Um, it's a busy day for me, but I was happy to take the time out and be here. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, we, we appreciate, we're glad that you were able to be on. Uh, you're always welcome to come back anytime. Um, I know the show maybe ran a little bit late, but there was a lot to unpack with E3. So I'm glad we took out some time to actually have this discussion. So definitely thank you for being on. Um, how about you, Dana? Any shout-outs that you want to give? Yeah, shout-out to Chris for being on. He's wonderful, and I love his insight as well. Also, um, shout-out to everyone who's listening as well, and shout-out to the gamers just in general, because E3 was for gamers, and you got a ton of games, whether it's PlayStation, Switch, Xbox, whatever. So yay for them. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, so yeah, I want to give a shout out once again to Chris as well for being on. I want to give a shout out to Gary, you and Dana, 
were on most of the shows that happened last week. So I want to give a shout out to not only y'all, but everyone that participated in the podcast when we weren't there. Y'all did a fantastic job. So I want to give you a shout out. And I also want to give a very special shout out to every person out there that is a gamer. And when I say a gamer, I mean someone who loves games, regardless of whatever console uh, it is. You know, you love games in general. You hate on one other console. Well, maybe you need to expand your gaming knowledge. Just my personal thought. But uh, shout out to everybody out there that enjoys video games as a whole. It doesn't matter if it's an Xbox, PlayStation, whatever. You love gaming as a whole. To me, that's a real gamer. Not someone who just prefers one console over the other and, and bashes the other one. So you know who you are. But shout out to the people who are gamers. Uh, and Gary, the floor is yours. Yeah, indeed. I agree with that. Um, and people who are real gamers are our Patreon supporters. So big shouts to all of you guys. That's M. Collins, Sean Gorati, Stephen Fearon, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Miguel, and Antonio Rogers. We thank you all for your support. And uh, yeah, big shouts to all of you. And uh, thanks to Chris for being on also. Um, I know that, you know, after this show, we're both going to be rushing to watch the, the Overwatch stage finals for stage four and everything, the Overwatch League. Um, so, yeah, can't wait to check that out. But thanks for coming through, Chris. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, your, your opinions were definitely valued. Um, and, yeah, thanks to uh, all of the, the, the listeners who supported us throughout the week and everything and uh, who chopped up with us, had real conversations with us about, you know, the, the, the conferences and all the games announced and everything. A big shout out to The Throwdown. Uh, we was on, you know, a lot of those. Me and Dana was on a lot of the, uh, the, the streams that they had for while the show was actually going on. Um, and those were very fun as well to do. So um, shouts to the whole Throwdown crew as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, of course, a big shouts to you guys who are at E3 because I already know how, you know, how draining that experience can be. Um, it's both exciting and very draining because, you know, it's a lot of work and people don't understand that too. Like going to E3 is as media is it's a ton of work and you're you're kind of grinding nonstop all day every day you know it's not all fun and games like you know it's not just playing games for fun or anything you actually have to do work like you have to go to these appointments you have to make notes you have to network you know it's it's not easy to do so big shouts to all of you guys that were they're actually there absolutely um yeah, yeah, we, we appreciate that. Yeah, it is a lot of work, but uh, hey, this is this, this, this is a fun job to do, so I have no complaints. But uh, thank you all for your continued support. Once again, a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>